fanficmedia.com presents Beyond the Wall, a Game of Thrones podcast. With hosts Christiana Ellis, Chuch Schubert, Vivid Muse, and Nookchus. Welcome everybody to Season 5 of Specific Media Presents Beyond the Wall. Tonight we're discussing Episode 9 of Game of Thrones, entitled The Dance of Dragons. With no spoilers past the currently aired episodes. I'm Chooch, and always, and always, and as always, I'm joined by Christiana. <laughs> Hello. Nookchus. Hello. And Vivid Muse. Hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> so, we had, uh, I think, a very exciting episode. <laughs> Can't wait to jump into it. Um, I had one quick bit of news. Well, really a request. So, um, and at the, uh, Balticon, um, Balticon 49, we did the PG Holyfield Memorial. And one of the things was the, uh, how to, to tie the Holyfield knot, which is something that a friend created. And we want to see, we know that people have been tying the knot, so to speak, and have been going to job interviews and, Kid fairs and all sorts of things. And so we're collecting photographs of those that we want to put into a gallery along with all the other memorial materials. And so if you have one, you can hit the link. I'll post, um, send it to btw at specficmedia.com. And uh, I'll also have a post to a YouTube video of the uh, original how to. It's a cool looking knot, too, if anyone hasn't. Taking a look at uh, that that video, so yeah, it's Tony does a really good job. It's very intricate, and and I'm actually I've issued the challenge here and there online. I'm gonna have to challenge you three, <laughs> hearts of my hearts. I'm challenging all three of you to send a picture to btw at specficmedia.com of yourself and anyone else you want to loop into it. Wearing the Holyfield. Mm-hmm. That means I have to find a tie. I'll send you a tie. I'll send you a tie to Christian. You can do it with a scarf or something. I mean, That's it's probably, true. Yeah. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it with a tie. I already know which one I'm going to use. <laughs> <laughs> and also, um, if anybody had pictures from the homecoming dance itself or uh, giving a toast, raising a glass to PG Holyfield at any time, in the last year. Um, you can also send those to btw at specficmedia.com. I'm making multiple galleries that people can add to if they choose to give us permission to post them. So there. <laughs> this episode, the dance of dragons, I have to say when I first heard the episode title and I was thinking when, uh, in the last episode of the one before, when they said, you know, there will be a feast for crows and all that, I was thinking, oh, are they going to like, does this mean they're going to like wrap every plot point up, you know, to be done with all the books, which I don't think probably is the case. And obviously we get the scene later where we see where the title comes from. Um, well, a couple scenes, I suppose. <laughs> but uh, we'll, we're going to start in uh, on the road to Winterfell in a very, very cold camp <laughs> where Melisandre feels a disturbance in the forest. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, not especially helpful to get the warning like ten seconds ahead of time, <laughs> um, because like it, the the attack was it was like it was already too late to do anything about it. She kind of like, hmm, something seems to be going on. Oh look, fires! Yeah. I could have been asleep, and it wouldn't have made any difference. <laughs> <laughs> well, and. That that leads to something, Alina, that I should probably save until we get up north. But I just thought it was fascinating that she was looking into the fires. Fires are her thing. And yet it totally crept up on her like that. Like you said, it was literally the last moment right before flames erupted. So how I powerful is she? I can't help but wonder if she felt a little betrayed. <laughs> Yeah, again, I have a whole thing for later. <laughs> you know what actually just occurred to me, though, is it depends on how um, how sneaky we think the Lord of Light or perhaps even just Melisandre is. She was already suggesting to Stannis what she thought they needed to do, and right. this was the thing that motivated him to actually do it. So what if the Lord of Light let it happen? So that they would be sufficiently motivated to give yeah. sacrifice. Yeah. Well, mm. um, then I'm going to go ahead and, and say one of the things that I'm wondering, which is that we already know that Melisandre learned from Thoris that they have different powers or aspects that they're able to do. Mm -hmm. And uh, what if Melisandre's kind of lost and she doesn't really know what the next thing to do is because Ram Ramsey just did this thing and, and, you know, is doing this thing, I guess at this point that we're supposed to be talking about it, but like, is she casting about just because she doesn't really know what to do now? Why do we, why do we utterly believe her when she says, the Lord of Light will help us if you sacrifice your daughter. What if she's hoping that the sacrifice will lead him to tell her what to do next? Because she don't know. You know, it's like giving her an authority just because she could do this one thing that she may not have any right to and, you know, may just be doing anything she can think of. Well, like through leeches on the kid. So what happens mm -hmm. if I burn yeah. this one? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, outside of the shadow, baby, I don't believe anything because... Everything else could have been coincidence. The other yeah. deaths. There were hmm. other forces, you know, at work. Yeah. Even if it yeah. was just Davis. <laughs> well, it's also true that, like, especially what, you know, what from what we've seen, even the leeches, he, he put three leeches on the fire and only two of those guys are dead. Mm -hmm. You know, Balon Greyjoy, we haven't heard anything from him in a while, but uh, um, I thought we did hear about Balon. No, the last the last yeah. we heard from Balon was um, when uh, Yara was demanding her men to go and try to rescue Theon. Mm -hmm. Yep, and he didn't. He was not on board, but we haven't seen or heard from him since. Um, but. Uh, uh, so just I agree in the sense of what of Melisandre's magic could be real and what, you know, like what do we have straight up evidence for and what could just be her interpretation? Um, I will say that even though I kind of supposed this theory that the uh, letting this sneak attack succeed might have been manipulation, uh, Melisandre did seem concerned when that all went down at the yeah. beginning. She, she didn't seem like 
oh, I saw foresaw this and it's what must happen. It was more like, right. hey, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I do believe that Melisandre has some real power. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I think that uh, she doesn't, outside of things that she's done before, she doesn't know exactly what's going to work, I don't think. And just because we haven't seen everything that she's done, we don't know what she's done before. So we don't know, does she know Burning Shireen is going to do something good? Yeah. Or is she just hoping? Exactly. We don't know yeah. her. We don't have her resume. Did anybody see her moo card? Nobody announced her. And And another thing, Sister Girl's necklace never glowed red. Not once, mm-hmm. not at one point. The second time we watched it, I watched that. Remember her throat stone that turned red a couple times before? Mm-hmm. No red. Honey child, that thing was as dark as when she first put it on that episode. I was trying to remember the last time we saw it glow. Um, I've never picked out the glowing of the necklace, so I can't, I'm not good at that. <laughs> well, in her introduction bit with Crescent um, way back in season two, it definitely did yeah. then. I don't remember definitively. It the burning of the statues on the beach. It did glow then? Too? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think, I can't remember, but I want to say that when uh, Gendry got leached. <laughs> Could um, be. I, I can't remember specifically, but I know the other two instances they did. Yeah, and I, I was watching because that's when I feel like, that's what I figure is the telltale of, uh, or her tell of when she's actually doing something for the Lord of light rather than her manipulating Stannis to get him to do whatever she needs him to do for the Lord of light. Eventually. Mm-hmm. It's always such a, a weird theology too, though, because it's obviously semi transactional, but not contractual. When right. we talk about these sacrifices, it's like, well, the Lord of light wants you to win but he'll only help make that happen if you make these sacrifices and maybe only then like, so you have to make the sacrifices first and then maybe he'll help and maybe he'll help in the way you expect and maybe in some other way. Yeah. But in theory, this whole thing is his idea. So it's really kind of a, uh, it's a difficult uh, thing to to manage, and and I definitely believe that even if Melisandre is utterly convinced in the rightness of her cause, she definitely I don't think knows exactly what's going to happen on any given day, and I think that in this context she doesn't even know for sure that that this sacrifice like. She knows she or she believes that it will please the Lord of Light, and mm. she thinks she knows what the Lord of Light wants ultimately. But in, as far as like how, like, is all of their horses are gone and they have people abandoning them? Like, w- like what is it that the Lord of Light's going to do? Right, and they don't <laughs> have, and we learned that they don't have enough food to get back to Castle Black, mm-hmm. which I that call was, bullshit was, on. Well, that was that. I mean, I think can does anybody disagree that him? Well, okay, Chooch, go ahead, call bullshit on it. Let me hear you say. No, it. so that is the reason given. Mm-hmm. You know, can't we can't go back? We or can't go forward. Won't go back, which is what right. Davos specifically said. Won't go back. 
Wow. And yeah. so he says, you know, we have no food. Oh, but, you know, in the, in the next scene, well, we're going to find a horse and you can get there just fine. So they can bring some fucking wagons of food back to get the army back, you know, like yeah. maybe they could get attacked from behind or whatever, but I don't know. Well, I that's think. what Stannis sent Davos to do was to try to go and bring back supplies. But I think the concern is that by the time the supplies could get to them, they would be even worse off and it would be too late right. at that point. Well, yeah. So they'll be good enough to go fight, but they won't be good enough to walk back to the castle. Right. right? Well, <laughs> nobody said this <laughs> is a good plan. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, all, that's all I mean. I just think, I, I don't know. I, do you I, think I, it was a ruse to get Davos out of there? Oh, absolutely. It's it's okay. it's a justification that I think is thin uh, to go and do what she wanted to do. Um, before we get into what, what they were going to do, I did skip uh, the wall. We were going to okay, progress sorry, from I mean, north to south. Mm-hmm. So, um, <laughs> so unless the first the first scene is where uh, you know he ends with can't march forward, won't march back, and then they pan to the red woman and and wifey poo and and mm-hmm. i'm just oh fuck <laughs> this is not good they've been yeah. talking yeah. i don't trust either of them I, I don't know what's gonna you know i don't like it <laughs> yeah bad um, things yeah hazy bad things mm-hmm. um up at the wall the the moment of truth comes for john's plan john and Tormund's mm-hmm. plan you see they they come up and the wall's locked up nice and tight <laughs> There was some logistical weirdness there, and I, I imagine Nutty is thinking the same thing I am, which is uh, they they went up to Hardhome by ship, and so why would the ships not have come back to Eastwatch by the Sea, which is the coast Night's Watch city, which is on the south side of the wall, which they would have then come around um, and then marched everybody to Castle Black from the south side of the wall already, but I'm sure they wanted the imagery of going through the tunnel, which again, I get that, but it was also a little weird, that implication that Thorne and John were having a stare down from 700 feet away. I know, like, <laughs> the entire time that was happening, I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. And I'm yelling at myself, stop being a book nerd. Stop being yeah. a book nerd. <laughs> stop being a book nerd. But, but you're, you know, and then, and then I'm sitting there going, okay, so it's 700 feet up in the air. Like he can tell one dot from another just cause it's a little bit darker. I mean, come on. Just, yeah. well, when he was looking, of, you know, when he was looking down, one, one did not look that different from any of the other. No, he really did down there. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh, one one. I mean, I th- I think it's not that big a deal because no. the it's really only the editing that implies that they're having a stare down because in reality they know to expect John's return, presumably coming through the tunnel this way was <laughs> the plan, and so when he's looking down at oh oh here's the people that we expected to be coming back and look one of them is coming out from the others and he's all in black that's probably John let's. Do it, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, so I think I, I think it, it worked, even though I you, you could nitpick it logistically. Yeah. Um, I wasn't sure. Like Thorne is in a weird spot right now because he clearly has an opinion about the plan here, mm-hmm. but it is apparently short of actual mutiny. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. <laughs> I thought he could have gone either way. I, I, I suspected well, he would stick to John, but I didn't know. Um, it, it does just raise the question, though, of um, how the Lord command, like, can they have a recall election for the Lord Commander? Because <laughs> I bet, you know, John did not win by a lot the last time. He and won so, by one, yeah. Yeah, and so, and and even then, it wasn't even a 50-50 thing because it was th- split three ways. Yeah. So it was really only a third of people plus one that uh, that oh. he got. And the design vote is dead. I was just going to say, oh, he lost. And now he has this whole plan that seems like almost everybody is against. If they held the vote today, Thorne would win by a landslide. Yeah, I agree. And I think uh, that would be a reason not to be able to recall an election. I think once you're Lord Commander, and I think it says it somewhere, but once you're Lord Commander, you're Lord Commander for life, just like. Once you're uh, captain of the King's Guard, you're you're captain of the King's Guard for life or until Joffrey decides to throw you out, which yeah. is bizarre. Um, you know, this is this is a lifetime position. And I think the reason why it works is because as Lord Commander, you're going to make a lot of unpopular decisions. Yeah. And if there was a way to change your mind later, mm-hmm. you couldn't make those decisions. Yeah. But I agree. Like, he would lose yeah. today. It's interesting to just, you know, the way you put it, it's a lifetime mm-hmm. decision. He will be Lord Commander for as long as he's alive. Yep. Right. That's one way out of it. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't. Well, think I'm just, some we, of the brothers we, aren't thinking it. Yeah. That's how he became Lord Commander is there was a mutiny against Mormont. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it makes sense that uh, he would, well, I would think there would be a lot of broken campaign promises <laughs> because yeah. that is the case, though, with the threat of accidents can happen. <laughs> yeah. It probably keeps a check and balance. Yeah. Well, what I was thinking actually during this scene where, especially when they're coming in through the tunnel and it's, we're panning over all of these Night's Watch brothers that are, you know, giving John the stink eye. And I was just thinking, you know, you're their leader, John. You need to be doing a way better job of persuading them why this is necessary. You are failing in that critical area of your leadership responsibilities right now. You're doing what you believe you need to do, and maybe it's a really hard sell, but you need to be working at it harder than you are because right now everybody thinks you're crazy. He needs to learn the art of inspirational speeches uh, from Buffy. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, do you think that uh, when people saw one one, that they maybe started to believe some of these stories? Because I definitely did see a lot of like shock on people's faces, like, "Oh my God, they're real." Yeah, for sure. I think the snark and grumpkin thing went out the window for a lot of people when they actually saw a giant. Because even when they were attacked, they a lot of them didn't see the giants. They may have seen the damage that the the giants spears did or arrows or whatever they were but they couldn't see from where they were a lot of them were fighting mm-hmm. on the at the front against the free folk that were attacking from mm-hmm. the gift area some of them may have seen um the the dead giant that tried to break through the tunnel but uh certainly it's different from an alive one who is now through the tunnel and walking around in yeah. your castle looking at you yeah <laughs> 
Yeah. What, Nettie? Oh, I just said glaring at you. <laughs> yeah, that was one of my favorite, like, captioning ever or translations, I guess, ever was, what the fuck are you looking at in the last episode? <laughs> when he went to 1-1 for the, for the dragon glass. It's still one of my favorite, probably all-time giant moments. Yeah. yeah. TV history. All of these sour pusses and John sees Ollie. Oh, hey, what the fuck does he think's going to come back at him? You know, he looks all crestfallen. Mm. Ollie looks sad. Yeah. Emo John is emo. Well, the other thing is, I, I, I feel like this is not really a complaint, mm. but uh, the show has kind of tricked us into thinking that John and Ollie ought to have a closer relationship than I think is really supported by what they've been through together. Right. Cause most of Ollie's presence at castle black was when John was still off with the wildlings. And then, so I guess they've been working together since he was made John's steward, but how long has that been? And it didn't seem like there was a lot of stuff that would have really bonded them specifically, especially since Ollie would have probably been suspicious of this guy who was off with the wildlings for a while. But I don't know. I mean, it's like I said, it's not a big deal. The show has decided that they wanted us to believe that they are closer, um, except for this wedge driving them apart, you know, the disagreement about the wildlings. But uh, I just, I think, when we think about, well, what is their actual history together? It's really not that much. That's a good point. John and, or uh, Sam and Ollie would have more of a bond than John and Ollie would, I would think. No, that's a really good point. Do you think maybe that John was leaning on, on the uh, memories he had of being Mormont steward and just kind of assumed that that's where Ollie was with him? Like that that's kind of revered. I was going to say, I think a, a lot of it has to do with the fact that he thought, well, I named him Steward, and that's a really big deal because that's what Mormont did to me. Not not remembering the fact that he almost left because he was named Steward, <laughs> yeah. um, mm-hmm. you know, and, yeah. and, and he, he, I think he is placing more of an importance on this relationship than Ollie is. And, and I agree. I think it's because, well, that's my old position this is a really good spot for you you're you're close to me you're going to be my steward we're going to be best friends oh you don't like me yeah i think oh sorry stupid on his part but at the same time you know it's 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 john and and he's still young yeah well john's got to be lonely right i mean think he's got nobody except Sam has got his back here. And even, um, even though Sam is obviously super loyal and supportive and actually trying to persuade him, it's like, look, you may think of it as a failure because you didn't get as many people. You didn't save as many people as you had hoped to, but like it made a difference to that guy and that guy and that woman, those people are alive. Yeah. And so, but at the same time, I think there is an element from John where he is, He's a little bit, you know, he's a broody guy. We know this about John. And so I think there's a part of him that wasn't ready to accept Sam's support. Mm -hmm. And so I think he wanted the idea of just someone who at least is not going to be mean to him, even if like they don't have to have a conversation about like, well, you're going to try to convince me it wasn't a failure and I don't want to talk about it. Can I just have like 
someone's going to bring me a hot meal and we can have small talk or something. And just like he's thinking, okay, well, at least a a face is not going to scowl at me. But then even Ollie is scowling at him and he's just feeling like it's just him and Sam. Now they have nobody else. Yeah. Yeah. Which is how Sam has been feeling. Yeah. (laughs) Although I, (laughs) It's weird to say. I do think he's got uh, Dolores Ed, but you know. Oh, that's true. He's yeah. a curmudgeon. He, he, you never. He's never someone that seems happy to be doing anything. So it, he's always begrudgingly going along. I would be interested to hear from Ed again because mm-hmm. before Hardhome, he said, "Look, John, I've got your back. I will support you, but I don't agree with the decision you're making." Yeah. So it's like, I will go along. I will not resist or challenge you, but I don't agree. And I wonder if he would have changed his tune now that he, he has seen firsthand what they're up against. Well, but that's one thing that I don't think they addressed well or at all in the episode, which is they just walked in the door from hard home after being on the ships, allegedly 5,000 look more like 500, but we'll just go with the Rocky map, map on that again. It's okay. But, I mean, why are they not talking about the attack? Why are they not talking about him being able to shatter someone with the fucking sword? It doesn't have to be dragon glass. It just has to, you know, the Valyrian thing that we were talking about last week. But, I mean, why are we not talking about that? The fact that so many saw, however many of of the brothers that came back, they would be talking about that. They would have had another meeting. This is them. This is, we've seen them. We have more witnesses. This is what we experienced. When the hell is the debriefing for security going to happen? <laughs> you know? Well, that's that's like what I was saying earlier. Exactly. Is that John needs to work on his PR. Now, I think the Val- Valerian steel, though, would not be something to impress everybody else because it would be something like, oh, well, we lost all the dragon glass, but don't worry. My sword can kill them. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sorry about you guys. You don't have a special badass sword that, like, I got. Stand behind but, me. <laughs> yeah. So well, but it could be you know we're gonna talk to Stannis. We're gonna you know they've got plenty of dragon glass. We'll get some up here. Yeah, and well, it, it I, was the time instead theory. of instead of moping through the square, you should have mm. taken that time that moment to say, you don't even know what the fuck we've just been through. You should be <laughs> yeah. happy because half of these fuckers are now dead. Oh, and they're coming it's this coming. way. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, the show may just be. The show may just be saving his a big his big speech for yeah. the last episode instead, and just they're stretching it out. But mm-hmm. I agree, especially like it was like we we said a couple of times, they're coming in, everybody's looking sour, and I'm just thinking it's like you need to be doing a better job at convincing them of that mm-hmm. this is the right thing to do. Yeah, like even if you don't convince everybody, you need to be making more of an effort instead of just looking sad that nobody likes your plan. Yeah, yeah. what's your theory, Nettie? So, yeah, so I got this big theory, and it's not from the books, people, because none of these characters are doing anything that they were doing in the books, so it's okay. Um, My theory (laughs) is Davos is going to come uh, ask for stuff, and John's going to say, sure, but you got to get us Dragon Glass, and you got to do that now. And then Davos is going to go off doing that thing, and people will, other people will bring supplies to Stannis. So Davos isn't going to find out about Shireen for a little while, and that's going to send Davos off on a whole. Well, Davos knows in his heart. Davos knows. 
I hope he doesn't know because I but, though, but, he, but he carved knows. a wooden he carved a wooden gift for her. Yeah. Mm. Not fabric, not anything else. Wood, something that she can yeah. cling to while bad things happening to her. Yeah. I, I don't. Well, I mean, maybe we'll go to the, that scene, but I, I feel like. I'm somewhere in between there where I, I feel like I don't know that he was sure exactly what was going to happen. Right. I, but yeah, I think bad. he did feel like he was saying goodbye because yeah. we, we have to remember how dire the situation is because it might well be like, even if they didn't do what they did, he, he that's why he was trying to say to Stannis, it's like, let me bring her back to the castle at yeah. least because you guys like, we're starting to think that starving to death in the snow might be your best case scenario out here. Um, Yeah. So I think he felt like he was saying goodbye, even if he didn't know exactly what was going to happen. Well, and we know that he's capable of spiriting somebody away because he did. That's where, that's where Gendry went. Mm -hmm. That's how we Mm -hmm. lost Gendry. He got Gendry Mm -hmm. out of there before he knew. And, and either he could not believe that, that Stannis would do that to that sweet little girl or not. Um, You know, he knew something unpleasant was coming. I don't think he maybe, I think he just put himself in a big block of denial because of all of the good things and bad things that have happened since then, what he has seen Melisandre do and, you know, what has happened when he didn't listen to her, like at the battle of the black water, you know, mm-hmm. you know, it's like at this point is Davis questioning his religion and just trusting that they're going to do the right. It's just such a confusing whole thing. I mm-hmm. well, Davos has not heard that Melisandre wanted to burn Shireen. He's not heard that. He doesn't have mm. that piece of information. So I don't think that um, he had any real inkling or reason to suspect that something was going to happen to Shireen. I think he knew Stannis is sending me away because he's making a decision that he knows I won't agree with and yeah. I will be here to make him feel guilty and realize that he's making a wrong decision because right. I am Stannis's conscience. He's sending his conscience away. I don't think he had any idea that Shireen was going to be in mm-hmm. that kind of danger because if he did, she wouldn't have been is, is in my heart of hearts, either she wouldn't have been or Davos would be dead. I don't think Davos would have been able to let it get down if he had that idea. I think he just knows Stannis is making a decision and he wants me away for, and that's not a good idea. Yeah. I think, I think it, it, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to ask Chich, was there anything else that you wanted to talk about at the wall since we ended up? No, no. And, and I agree that, he knew something bad was going to happen specifically to Shireen, but not how bad. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it was sort of a, a heavy case of, I've got a really bad feeling about this. And I feel like Stannis seems to be leading his army to certain destruction. I don't see how this plan can possibly work. And yet he's insisting I don't know what else to do, yeah. I, but I don't feel like I have concrete enough grounds to explicitly disobey an order that at least has kind of a coat of paint on it that sounds reasonable, which is go back to Castle Black, see if we right. can get some more supplies. But I think he's definitely got this sixth sense of saying something 
bad is going down here, and I don't know fully what it is, but I just have the feeling that something is happening here. And it, it's like, um, um, it's, it's like I, I don't even remember who was just saying it, but uh, Davos is his conscience, and he's like, I've seen Stannis do this before, where he's pushing me away because he knows that I'm going to talk him out of something that Melisandre is trying to talk him into. I guess maybe perhaps to Stannis, this it's the same situation as the Blackwater and he didn't listen to Melisandre. So it like gives it that much more gravity in his mind. Maybe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Maybe. He so, his own judgment up against hers now. I, I agree with Nutty though, that I, I think if he was, if he was sure that this is what was going to happen. I, I don't like at least he would have been very explicit in his discussions with Stannis. Like, you know, like even if it, like, I think he would have probably risked his life, but I think at the very minimum, he would have just not left that unsaid. He would have been all up in the, you know, like, what are you thinking? This is your daughter. If, if, you know, if this is what it takes to win, then are you really worthy of winning? You know, like, I think he would have had all of those explicit conversations if he was sure that's what was happening. I think that he thought that, like, I, I believe that he thought he was saying goodbye to Shireen, but it was more in the neighborhood of Stannis is going to get his whole army killed, but I don't know what else I can do. Yeah. Well, and it's not even just like a, this, the, the typical father-daughter protection going on here. It's not like uh, like it was with Tywin and Cersei, although it probably would have been very similar. But like she had grayscale and he spent reportedly, I think we heard this on the show. Correct me if I'm wrong. But didn't they spend a moment talking about how she had grayscale and he had all the maesters come and spent money and treated her and it was a miracle and... And so it didn't progress. And so now she's, quote, healed, although scarred. I mean, this was a father that, like, really did a lot to ensure that his daughter survived. His only heir, because of the, the sons that died that Solis had, his only heir he went to all this trouble for. And so I think it speaks to not only, like, what some of the people out in the world are saying, you know, does he even deserve to be king, even if he is the king, is he any better than Mad King Eris, that sort of thing. Um, but if nothing else, kind of like playing the rape card or one of those things, it immediately tells us how serious and desperate Stannis is. He is he's he's even crossed what Solis would find to be reasonable with, you know, honoring Lal and and doing what Melisandre said. Because even Solis at the last moment. You know, even she saw how fucked up it was. Mm -hmm. And she was she was the one that was telling him, you know, you best stay in line with Melisandre because she'll get you on the throne. And even if even she said this is bananas, you know, finally, mm -hmm. thank God. Well, it's interesting because it, it comes. I mean, I think we're kind of jumping ahead to the actual sacrifice scene, which uh, do we want to just go ahead yeah. and cover that whole. Well, yeah, we'll get there in just a sec. Yeah. Because I, I think we had more Dor we had the Dorn scenes before we got well, to that. I want to I want to carry through with the Winterfell okay. stuff, and then we'll head south. But before we jump to that next scene, uh, so we, in the mm -hmm. Q and A, we had Jay Neds who said, "I want to see Davos when he gets back." Yeah, I want to see his reaction yeah. 
and all that. That will tell us all the things. Because I, sure. I, I feel like this this could be the thing that would finally make Davos not want to follow Stannis anymore. Yeah. And like you were saying, uh-huh. I think if, if he would have known what was at stake, that he would have at least made Stannis say the words. Well, he did it for Gendry. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He he knew very well that he might be executed for what he did in setting Gendry free. And that was practically a stranger. Yep. Shireen, I mean, has become like a daughter to him, like because at least in the show, he has no more sons. Um she taught him to read. They have like such a special relationship. And so I, I think that like, while I don't think he would have been able to spirit her away from camp, I, I, I think that they would have been super wise to his tricks by now. Um, in the sense that I don't think he could have succeeded in getting her away, but he would have tried. He would have done something if he really thought that's what was going down. But Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I said, I, I he he would have taken her away, or he would be dead. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is what I really, really, really want to believe. I really, really, really hope, like Sheriff Bullock said, you know, um, we'll know when we see Davis Davis's face when he finds out if we get to see that moment. I'm assuming we'll see Davis again, and he'll get that information. But mm-hmm. I can't help but just wonder if he hasn't seen too many things now to continue doubting the Lord of light after shadow babies and, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. You know, it's just, I guess that I'm questioning Davis is like, he's such a realist. He's such not a, a, an optimist or a cynic or a pessimist or anything like that. He's a realist and his experiences are pretty powerful when he's standing next to Melisandre, you know, he's seen mm-hmm. things and it's just, it's, I really hope you guys are right. I just really hope he's that good of a guy. Well, I need him to be. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like what we've seen from him before, he's acknowledged that she has real power and that there's something going on there. I mean, he's, he has said as much, he saw the shadow baby firsthand. So he knows that she has some level of real power, but what he has said about it is like, he, he treats it like it's sorcery. It's like, yes, she has magic, but like this is where he was saying to Stannis, isn't that like cheating? Like if that's how you win, is that, you know, like, and he's said that before. Um, and so I don't think, I, I can't imagine him changing his mind about that. Like if if they did try to make that change to make him even remotely the tiniest bit okay with it, I feel like that would have, they, they wouldn't have supported that change in his character. So I feel like he's really been kind of, you know, half King's hand and half hostage to Stannis ever since setting Gendry free, which is this, this whole thing of like, well, I could just execute you for betraying me, but I know that you give good advice too. So I'll keep you around to continue giving me good advice. But there's still that element of, but the moment you start to actually interfere with me again, I'll maybe revisit this arrangement. Yeah. <laughs> I think one other thing that I wanted to say about it, Davis is that when he has that conversation with Celise, he said that the, you know, why the gift she asked. And he said something along the lines of, you know, you taught me to read, but you also taught me how to grow up. 
Mm. And so that's kind of why I think I took such a, and, and I had to go back to my notes to read why I read that. So why I took that scene so much darker than you guys, but it was a thank you for teaching me to be a grown up was mm-hmm. the quote. And so that's where I'm taking it from a more, you know, he is just, you know, it's, and my other note is I'll never forgive him if he leaves her behind. And we find out that he knew <laughs> never. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I I agree. I would I would feel the same way if if he knew and didn't do anything. I would I would agree. Um, I I I read that just though as like it's it was it was dark, but not sinister. I I felt like he did feel like he was saying goodbye. Like I'm I don't think I'm ever going to see you again, and that's why he got kind of all awkward when she was saying, "Hey, next time can you carve me a dough to go with this yeah. one?" And he's oh like. Oh yeah, next time, sure, sure, She's honey. Like, I, I mean, I can't help but wonder if his whole like goodbye speech to her is because he knows he's gonna be leaving Stannis, like Stannis's mm, mm, like he's I, done, like like if Stannis doesn't want me to be his hand, doesn't want me to make sure he's on the right path. What am I here for? Am I just here to watch him make the choices he shouldn't make and Mm. not be the person I think he is? Is he still that person I believe in? And I, I don't, I'm not saying that's what's going on. I'm just saying like, I wonder if that's going on. I wonder if there's something inside of him that's that's saying to himself, you know what? This is not the man I, this is not the man I fell in love with. No. No different person yeah um, i i don't know i don't know and if he finds out what happened to shireen i have no no doubts that like this whole relationship is over yeah for sure Mm -hmm. the question was the the book that she was reading the dance of dragons Mm -hmm. is that something that i'm guessing it's maybe mentioned in the other books or is it one of those that's like a short story that people are able to buy or it's it's in the books. It's the Dance of the Dragons. Um, there's a couple of differences about it, um, but it is it is one of the tales, and it's something that talks about prophecy. There's a lot of prophecies in the books, and this is one of them. And this is the one that uh, don't we start to get information about Azor Azor High or however you say that? Um, I don't. Remember that I see. I thought that she was reading just strictly about the 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 history of some of the intra Targaryen okay. rivalries that had happened in the past. Okay, I thought that the book she was else. reading was just the history of oh the time that this Targaryen actually fought against that Targaryen because that's kind of what Shireen was getting at. In, in saying like, well, would you choose sides? And she's saying, well, I think choosing sides was the problem. Yeah. You yeah. know, and, and so because yeah. it was it was supposed to be these two people are supposed to be in the same family. So why are they fighting instead of cooperating? Mm-hmm. And and I think so. I think that's what oh. she was getting at. That's that's what I thought Maybe. she was reading. The yeah. Azora Asai, I like I don't remember where that story comes from in the mythology of the show. Yeah, I, I I feel like it comes from many different places. Like you get beat over the head with it sometimes, and I may have just been confusing it with something else. 
Well, I mean, they mentioned Feast for Crows in the last episode. Maybe they're just going to try and mention all the book titles and there's mm. kind of like extra commercial time. <laughs> well, the uh, what is it? Um, the series is called A Song of Ice and Fire. And, and mm-hmm. we've heard that mentioned, I believe, yeah. in the show already. And that yeah. is something that deals with the prophecy and, and yeah. you know, Dance of Dragons. is. On that note, um, this is certainly not going to be the first time that anybody has made this uh, comparison, but it was sort of re-brought to my attention and to memory recently because we've talked about how you know the 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 white walkers and the frozen zombies are such an obvious existential threat to everybody that it sort of automatically feels like anything that would be opposed to that ought to be our friend like say the lord of light who's all about fire but there is that poem by robert frost fire and ice which is short enough that i'll just read it right now Mm mm-hmm Some say the world will end in fire, some say in ice. From what I've tasted of desire, I hold with those who favor fire. But if it had to perish twice, I think I know enough of hate to say that for destruction, ice is also great and would suffice. So basically just the idea being you could kill everybody with either fire or ice. It doesn't. Yeah. You know, one doesn't protect you against the other. They're both destructive. Yeah. I like that. And it makes well, we sense. Have the image. Sorry, go ahead. It, it makes sense to me in, in a kind of grand cosmic scheme, world scheme of things, yin yang balance, right? So you have the rise of both of these forces, the White Walkers and the dragons at the same time. They come, they do battle, and then they go back to sleep for eons or whatever. However long. I thought that it was interesting that we had also, besides the name of one of the books, sort of um, <clears throat> that we had the imagery when at the very beginning, when the camps are set on fire, Stannis's camps are set on fire. Just like during, I think it was season three, we had the the where the king of the night, the night king or whatever they call him, mm-hmm. the 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 I am um, king. Yep. Somebody called him an ice king today, and I keep slipping back into. <laughs> um, <laughs> Not Ice King, but the King of the Night. And, um, oh, God damn it, I forgot what I was going to say now. Go ahead. That's gone. I keep thinking He's a mean guy. That's what <laughs> That's what we could say about him. Oh, but. I was going to say about the visual. When we saw him, when uh, I think it was Sam peeked around the stone and saw him for the first time, he was riding on that horse that was like a big chunk of frozen horse flesh. Mm-hmm. Like, innards, you know, he's dead, and it was zombie ice horse. And this time when the camps were burning, we had the visual of a horse that was on fire running mm-hmm. through the camp and it immediately took me back to that horse that was caught on that was being ridden by the night king and it was like it's getting pretty literal all up in here yeah. <laughs> um i i'll also just add i i had a note from the scene where the camp gets set on fire of um feeling like this whole excuse of oh well they're northerners they know this land better than we do seems kind of like a bs excuse for the idea that like 20 men came in on horses and set fire all over your camp all at yeah. once. And you didn't even see any of them. Yeah. Like yeah. that seems unlikely. But yeah. We got his exact reaction. <laughs> they were either yeah. asleep or they were in on it. Right mm-hmm. now. The, the explanation I came up with in my head is that I would not be a bit surprised if this was sort of like, if to the extent that the Lord of light has power in this sort of thing, Letting it happen so that they would be desperate enough to do what they did might well be something that the Lord of Light would 
would do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know you need me now. Prove that you know it. Come on. In, Burn a baby. In the books, this this doesn't happen. But in the books, there's also a whole contingent of Northerners with Stannis. And Stannis's people are dying. And the Northerners, while not great, are faring better. And so there is that bit of, like, the North can survive in the North and the Southerns are, Southerners are dying. But this just makes it, like, a lot mm. more there and in- <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i was <laughs> i was just disappointed that i think we were hoping last time that ramsey would his plan would not go well but that yeah, didn't well. damn that ramsey yeah i was definitely expecting more of a frontal assault kind of thing mm-hmm. well I or, think or you know assassination sneaky assassination attempt they seem to be saving that for next time whatever actual confrontation is going to be right yeah yeah so the the next scene with uh stannis Shireen, he goes and talks to her and, and uh, <laughs> already having the feeling, okay, you know something bad's going to happen. And then he sits her and rationalizes and gets her p- permission to do something bad. It was just, yeah. my skin was crawling. It, it's kind of, it, yeah, it was because he took advantage of her innocence and naivete to kind of make it like she was talking him into doing it. And like that whole thing of like, is there anything I can do to help? And he says, yes. And then she says, well, then I want to do it. And him like pretending like that somehow her agreeing and giving permission to do what he's going to do, which if he said what he had in mind, she would not be okay and wasn't. And so the idea that uh, he sort of, allowed her saying those things to help him make up his mind is just kind of extra awful. But I think, I think he had already decided. I think that was that, that scene from earlier where he got the damage report of the camp and then looked over to where Melisandre and, um, and Solis were saying, I think at that point that was when it's like, Oh shit, I'm going to have to do this. Aren't I? And I think that's, that's where he was. And so like every other scene, in this episode is him basically psyching himself up to do it. Yeah. Agreed. So yeah, they start marching her out and then you see, no, it's a bonfire. And then I was just, fuck, no, fuck. You know, I thought it was going to be, they're going to take a pint of blood or, you know, they're going to, I did not think they were going to go there. And the moment it happened and she's screaming and, and Mrs. Stannis, you know, breaks at the end but still Mm -hmm. it was just the moment she started the speech and it was happening i'm just nope fuck stannis fuck mrs stannis you're all dead to me yeah (laughs) no yeah gone yeah uh i i'm kind of happy that I now I'm going to call her Mrs. Stannis. I think it <laughs> works. Mrs. Stannis uh, changed. Like she was so there. She was such a fanatic. And, and you're sitting there thinking, how could you have ever been a mother? How could, I mean, I'm not a mother, but how could you have ever been a mother that you've carried all these children that didn't survive? And this is the one that survived and you're okay with this. And you're pushing your husband along. And then she broke. And I think I'm so much happier that she broke. But at the same time, I'm like, Stannis, why the hell didn't you break, you jerk? Yeah. Um, but 
I think, I think her breaking was so powerful and it yeah. just shows how blind she was. Yeah. She drank the Kool-Aid for sure. She drank mm-hmm. the Kool-Aid, but then suddenly like there's a glimmer of a person that was there once. And she's like, wait, no, we can't yeah. do this. This mm-hmm. is yeah. our daughter. Mm-hmm. And by then she sees something that's going to drive her mad for the rest of her life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I had some thoughts on, on Celise because this is something that I think has been, you know, they, they don't, they didn't ever make it heavy handed, but I think it's been supported just since the introduction of her character that her faith, I feel like was always coming from the wrong place. And I, and I, and when I say wrong place, I don't even mean like that it's wrong to have faith in the Lord of light, but I mean, I feel like she clung to that faith because it told her all of this was meant to be. You didn't fail Stannis by only having a girl who had grayscale and not having any living sons. You aren't, awkward and unlovable you are exactly what the lord of light wants you to be and it's all yeah. meant to be and there's a plan and i think that it the faith made her feel special and important in a way that she didn't otherwise and i think that's why she clung to it so much and it's also i think part of why she was actually kind of mean to shireen a lot of the time is because shireen wasn't buying into it and it made her own inner doubts like she she had to quash those doubts because to entertain the doubts that this isn't real means she has to revisit these ideas of well okay maybe i i'm not special i'm not important like i thought so i that can't be it so she has to be wrong and in fact, I am angry with her for making me uncomfortable in having to think about this. And I think that's where that was all coming from. And she had kind of set it up in her head. She had put all of this stuff on Shireen that she's disobedient. She's insolent. She doesn't love me. And like even this bit, like because the switch for her was at first Shireen is calling for her dad. It's like, father, help me, help me. But then she says, mother, help me. And that's, that's what flips the switch in her head of just, and, and I think I wouldn't be surprised if this breaks her faith in the Lord of light. Um, Because first of all, like, like it's not, not even just like a moment of weakness, but it could be something that she's not going to be able to reconcile this again. Um, And especially because it, I think her faith, was always coming from this place of she has to believe because if she doesn't, the alternative seems so much worse, but now that's what that all led to this happening. And she's so at that point, I think she, that's why she, she broke, but Stannis on the other hand, like the Stannis that we kind of, you know, we joked about Stannis father of the year earlier in the season. (laughs) Um, And I think the thing is some people are feeling like based on that Stannis that we saw, come on, based on that Stannis that we saw, this Stannis feels out of character, but I, I, I disagree because I feel like this sounds weird. 
not breaking and watching carefully and not looking away is because he loves her. Yeah. He is convinced that this sacrifice has to be made and it's worth it. Like, like it will work because of how much it hurts. He is giving up something that means so much to him. And that's why the sacrifice will be rewarded. So like it has to hurt because that's like what makes it effective. And it's like awful still that he's allowing it to happen. But I think he has convinced himself the more this hurts, the better it will work. And so he is making himself watch even how painful it is. I mean, he turns away and so many of the soldiers turn away and they can't watch it. And I think at the end, Melisandre may be the only one watching it. But I mean, the fa- I'm curious to see how many of his... How many of Stannis's men are still going to be there the next morning after they have just watched him and helped him burn a baby girl? I, I think he didn't. I, I didn't read it as him ever turning away from. I, I can't. I did not take specific notes on that. I just okay. that's how I read it. But anyway, but regardless whether he turned away or not, a lot of the men turned away. Yeah. And like people had already left the camp because there's no food. Now they're killing babies to win a war. And who wants to follow that guy? Mm-hmm. In in the books, there's a big division between Stannis's men. There's the Queen's men, and there's the people who have joined Stannis's cause. And uh, the Queen's men are basically everyone who has drank the Kool Aid on the Lord of Light. Um, you don't really have that so much in the show. So, like, you have that in the books, but we don't really have that in the show. And so, it's really hard to read what the the men that are there, what their actions are going to be. Um, I've, I've seen a lot of things about people saying this is completely outside of Stannis's character because he's not really a fanatic. And it's true. Stannis is not a fanatic for the Lord of Light. Right. But he's been shown these things are working. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, he's been shown yeah. enough evidence that these things are working and he's getting to the point where he is desperate. Yeah. Dennis is so sold on the idea that he has a destiny and that he is fated to be king and that it's meant to be him. Well, he is willing to do all these horrible things. And this is this is show Stannis. You know, show Stannis is more into the idea that he is the one that belongs there. And there's so much ego um, well, it's it, like, it's like what Celise was doing. It makes her special. If she believes, if she yeah. believes the story, then she is special. And she was meant to have this child and lose those children. She's not a failure. And Stannis has to believe it because it makes him even more the rightful heir in his eyes. Cause he's now taking the Lord of light. What do you think, Chooch? I think that, I think that makes a lot of sense. And it's weird because I'm seeing a lot of parallels I'm reading. Um, I've been reading, Brandon Sanderson's Mistborn trilogy. I had read the first one a long time ago and I finally reread the first one and, and now and then two and I'm on three now. And in there, there's actually this prophecy and there's this guy who names the person who's supposed to save the world. And he realizes mm-hmm. I picked the wrong guy, but now if I say anything, 
I'm going to be cast down. And, you know, I'm getting all these accolades because I'm the one who found him. And mm-hmm. now I can't, I'm trapped. I can't say anything. Um, just There's been other parallels too with the different magic things, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I yeah. I, th- I think, I mean, he he's absolutely convinced that He's the only one who's right for the job that things nobody else is going to be able to save the seven kingdoms. I believe yeah, that. I, and yeah, I think that it's, it's even more than like, it's not even that he wants it as much as he thinks it has to be him. Yeah. He has been told that it is like this destiny. And so it's not even like, I want to be King. It's more like, all the worlds of man will fall to this oncoming threat. If I am, I, there is a prophecy that it has to be me. And if, if, if I am not able to make this victory work, then all will be lost. And so he's got, he's putting all of that on himself. Melisandre is helping with a shovel. <laughs> um, and so I think that like all of the re- rationalizations he's feeding himself leading to this decision are basically is like, okay, well, look, what's going to happen? Like, we can't retreat because this battle has to be won. If we don't do something, we're all going to freeze or starve here in the snow, including Shireen. And as awful as it is, I have seen evidence that these types of sacrifices and these, you know, this Lord of Light magic that Melisandre is talking about can work. And it's awful, but it must be done to save the world. And those are all rationalizations that, like, we can still say, come on, man. Really? But I think that's that's what he has heaped into his brain. And so the fact that it's so painful, I, I feel like the fact that he is not looking away, I think he maybe looks like he looks at Celise when she breaks but it's not so much like I can't bear to watch Shireen because he's making himself watch because like that's what makes the sacrifice meaningful is that like if if he didn't care, if this was someone he didn't care about or a criminal or something like that, well, that wouldn't be a meaningful sacrifice. This is like the sacrifice is only going to please the Lord of Light and be rewarded because it's so painful. And I think that's why he makes himself watch it and that's like and he's feeling like this is what has to be done no matter how painful it is to me personally i can't afford to let my sentimentality doom the world i think that's what he's telling himself yeah and as, as far as being in character back in episode seven i had pulled that one clip we march to victory or we march to defeat but we go forward, only forward. Yep. Oh, I thought that it, had, mm-hmm. it included the other piece. Um, he said, when he says, I will risk everything. Mm-hmm. And he, mm-hmm. we find out he, he really meant that. <laughs> he will yeah. risk everything. I, I also think he, he watches in a sense of respect for her. You know, um, mm-hmm. he's not the one swinging the axe, so to speak, as Ned Stark would. But he's going to be there and he's going to watch her and he's not going to hide, you know, from her last moments. And I I think there's definitely a bit of respect there. 
Um, at least that's my take on it. Uh, w- there's this little after show that goes on after the episode um, where the directors talk about stuff and they talk. They mention offhandedly when George told us about this, you know, and from reading the books, because Stannis is not with Shireen, mm-hmm. because Melisandre, Shireen and Selyse are all back at the wall. I feel like this scene would not happen in the books. And I feel like book Stannis wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's where a lot of people's upset are coming from. Yeah. I'm guessing though, that, um, that ultimately Shireen is going to burn mm-hmm. that this, this is a book spoiler here. And that's what they meant by when George told us, you know, because they yeah. didn't say when George told us Stannis would make this decision. They said when George said this would happen. I can even imagine exactly how it would go down in the book, oh, yeah. like the the way, you know, the, the, the circumstances that would lead to it. But that's speculation. Yeah. It's not happened in the book. But and I, was, uh, I was reading one other thing um, that I never picked up on this before, but apparently uh, Shireen has like these dreams and they're kind of said to be prophetic and that there's actual like um, hints that this may happen to her. But I never picked that up. That's just something mm-hmm. I read on Westeros.org. But I, I think sometimes uh, just this kind of made me my my last thought on on mm-hmm. the scene is that it was obviously so upsetting a thing to happen in the story, yeah. and and so I know that this is something I've dealt with sometimes in the past that sometimes it can be hard to draw the line in your head between something that is upsetting, but part of the story in the sense that um, a character has made a decision you don't like. Is that just uh, you're upset because of that story decision or are you upset with the writer for writing the story that way? Mm-hmm. And and I think that I first sort of recognized that distinction in my head because um, I I when Gilmore Girls was on there was a stretch where I was feeling like I don't like the show anymore and then what I realized is oh I think what I'm really just reacting to is the characters are doing things that I I don't like but the show is on my side that the characters are doing things that they shouldn't be doing. And so it's not the show that I don't like, it's the actions of the character and I'm not supposed to like them. And I think that, but it can be hard. It's, it's very tricky writing that without crossing over that line. So I think that what a lot of people are just responding to is the very real and understandable reaction that this is a horrifying thing to have happen. And we all wish that show Stannis was the guy who wouldn't do this, but that doesn't mean that he isn't the guy that would do this. So I know that we need to move to Dorne, but I will say that I, as a quick thing, um, I'm in our room and I just went to the episode and watched it on closed captioning. And when, when they're watching and then Mrs. Stannis, (laughs) You know, she has her thing, you know, he turns back and he looks at a guard and signals the guard to go get her. And you're right. He does continue facing the next time they show him is after Salise is on the ground and held back and 
all that stuff. And they show Salise's, uh, they show Stannis looking, facing that way, but he's got his eyes downcast, kind of like it's finally sinking in, kind of like, okay. But he's not watching the fire. He's looking down. And then when the screaming stops is when, that's when he turns away. So physically mm-hmm. that is when he turns away. But from what I could see, other than a couple of the guards in the background, M- Melisandre was the only one that watched it all the way through. Salise, ha- you know, was looked down at one point and looked up when the screaming stopped. So mm-hmm. let's go to Dorne, please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hang on, hang on. I, ju- I, I just want to give the actress credit because her screams were awesome. Oh, haunting. Scream. Yeah. I get goosebumps. Uh, I- <laughs> Let, let's all also just take a moment to thank the directors for not showing us this little girl on fire with special effects. <laughs> yeah. The screaming was enough to yeah. haunt me forever. That last, I was, I was like, okay, okay, okay. But then that last piercing wail was like, I'm done. Pause it. Pause it. <laughs> I need a minute. <laughs> you can't yeah. even look away from the screen because it's not what's on screen. The mm-hmm. visual is not what's upsetting you. But- no. But I'm I'm glad they didn't show the visual. I'm, I'm hey, man. absolutely absolutely. absolutely. On the, to Dorn. Well, in the Q and A, so Sheriff Bullock had, um, oh. had mentioned that he read an article that made the case that this was against Stannis's character, and it had like gave five points. I didn't read it. I will add it to the show notes. And then he had asked our opinions, which we have thoroughly covered. Um, <laughs> and he said, Oh, one last thing about the Stannis business. I wasn't too upset or shocked about Shireen because I felt it was coming for a long time. She didn't fit in this cruel world. So long, Shireen, you taught a few people to read and you were totes adorbs. Yeah. Agreed. She is too good for this world. <laughs> yeah. I think that's why I, it, that's why it did feel it. It did feel different to me when we compare it to the other big shock moments, um, or even you know Sansa's stuff earlier this season, or you know the Red Wedding. You know those are some of the things that people were comparing this to. I I felt like it felt different to me than those because I wasn't surprised that it happened so much as I had been hoping for a long time that it wouldn't. But yeah. at the same time, laying the groundwork that it was something that might happen. They were seeding that for a long time. And so you were kind of, we were kind of hoping they would swerve away, but the fact that they didn't wasn't shocking or surprising to me in the same way that some of those other things are. Yeah. They may have softened the blow. <laughs> yeah. It was more just kind of like, Oh, Stannis, I was hoping you were changing your mind, but. I understand why you did it. You're still dead to me. Dan and well, Dorn. Yeah. Well, yeah. Sorry. Let's go on. Move on. <laughs> Jamie visits Duran and family. And uh, so we now have total confirmation who sent the necklace, mm-hmm. um, which I don't think was too big of a mystery. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, it does. I mean, does it firmly place it at Alaria? Do we believe that Prince Doran had absolutely nothing to do with the threat? I think I think they established that in the scene, and they even started to establish that hey, he's kind of sick. It, they, that. Yeah, it was. I think it was unspoken, but the fact that you know Jamie mentions the threat, and then Duran just turns to Ilaria with this like, "What the fuck?" Mm-hmm. We talked about <laughs> this. Talking, you know I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, why would you do that? Yeah. Um. Wild card. I'm really frustrated by the Dorn scenes here because it's 
possible that there is some additional shoe that's going to drop, but mm -hmm. I'm at the point right now where there had better be, or I'm going to be pissed at the way they're handling some of this. Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I just feel like I need there to be a subtext that is not yet clear or else I'm going to be really frustrated with how they're handling this storyline. So Chooch, how do you feel about the Dorn storyline? Are you frustrated? Um, as a non-reader? Hmm. I'm not frustrated. No, I, I, it seems like a diversion because, um, Prince Duran is, is, you know, he's making every move that he's in line, you know, um, if we see the scenes later, you know, that he seems to bring everybody in line and he seems sincere and we haven't the fact that he is um so against what she did and the way you know and, and insisting we're not going to go to war um I, I don't have any reason to disbelieve him so it just seemed like a nice diversion we got to meet some interesting characters and um, it seems like, you know, that's pretty much, that's that they're going to bail back and he's going to say, all right, you know, here's our new small council member and they're going to get, they'll get married here. And yeah. Oh yeah. Another wedding. <laughs> <laughs> we love the weddings mm. on GOT. Mm. So, but... So everything that's going on in Dorne is a little weird to me. Um, I'm not sure exactly what's going on. I think that Duran is letting Alaria get away with bloody murder. I am surprised that he had, you know, took so long to basically threaten her to the point that she starts behaving. Mm -hmm. um, I half expected him to just have her executed at some point. Like I know that he gave her allowances because of how important she was to his brother. Yeah. But it just seems so bizarre to me. Like I yeah. just, I, I think he's so hard to see that. Um, yeah. I, I really enjoy the addition of Marcella and Tristan actually caring for each other and, yeah. and having, you know, cause they're, they're older and, and they have this nice little relationship and I really do enjoy that. Um, but I, I don't know where it's going. Um, yeah. The only thing I can say is apparently uh, Duran only has one kid now and tr or that Tristan's the oldest, whereas in the books, he's just a third son. So like, it's not like she was getting anything special anyway. Um, and that, you know, he was actually going to gain more mm -hmm. uh, kind of by, by yeah. marrying her. Totally. Um, uh, where I'm, uh, feeling the frustration I think is, well, first let me just say that again, like this is not going to be like, I don't know that there's something else coming because there's a lot of elements of this storyline that are already different from the books. Right. And so the, it may be that this additional layer that I'm feeling like I want, it may be that it's not intended to be there and I am wishful thinking it into, into place. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm feeling like I want there to be something else to it. And I don't know that there is, but I want there to be. Because some of the elements that they have taken out in simplifying the story make 
make it less interesting to me. And I actually liked the Dor- the Dorn storyline in the books. Um, a lot of people don't like it, but I, I do. And I think that some of the changes they've made, for example, um, in the show, Ilaria's whole thing seems to me pretty much just about we hate the Lannisters, let's get revenge, which is kind of BS when we think about it, because like as much as she could be really sad and angry that Oberyn's dead, he did volunteer to be a champion in a trial by combat, and he died, you know, fairish and squarish. Um, meaning this like this was not a murder that needs to be avenged. He volunteered to fight in a fight to the death and lost. That's what happened. And so that's like that, you know, avenging that is not even vengeance. It's just like, let's start a war. And that feels like too small a motivation compared to some of the much larger political stuff that was happening in parallel in the books. Well, maybe um, there's so much going on in the North that they're kind of just setting the stage for us for the next season, maybe. Well, and that because might be I still true. want to see the kids in the water garden. I'm a simple girl. <laughs> I want to see well, the children frolicking that bring yeah. Doran so much pleasure. And see, like... Not in a creepy I, way. Not I, in a I actually, <laughs> Trant way. Sure. Um, <laughs> I can't believe you actually took it there. Um, Sorry. She was, she, she's I like, said not. No, no, no. around right on target. Not like that. <laughs> um, the opposite of that. Yeah. So, but anyway, like just, so I feel like that being the motivation and if Doran's whole thing is just like, no, let's not start a war, certainly an admirable position to take, but not necessarily as interesting for the story. Um, and if that's all there is to Ilaria's motivation and then the sand snakes, I feel like are cool as characters, but they're not given really very much to do. I mean, what they did is one failed kidnapping attack and then playing around in jail cells. Like that's real. And so I feel like, have we really spent this much time with those characters for this to be all that they do? Um, I hope not, but I don't know at this point, because like I said, they've changed enough about the books that this may be straight ahead but I have to say that like as much as I've enjoyed a lot of these scenes, I want there to be more to it. And if there isn't, I'll be disappointed. Mm. So do you want that to pay off this season or is it something that can pay off next season too? Well, if it doesn't pay off this season, then I will continue to hope that it will pay off next <laughs> season. Um, in, in the books, uh, you know, this, this, the sand snakes are the ones that are going to replace, uh, Oberyn on the small council, mm-hmm. not Tristan. So they have a lot more to do. And and without getting into spoilers, as Christiana said, their idea was not to kill Mar- Marcella, but it had a much bigger political agenda. And mm-hmm. Prince Duran had an even bigger political agenda. And he's like, you yeah. can't do your thing because your thing's messing up my plan. Check out my plan. Look at the big board. Yeah. See how awesome this plan is. And then they're like, oh, so you have been thinking about this. Okay. Yeah. And they so, move in with him. Just, yeah. yeah. In the yeah. book, it's like there's a whole chess game. Yeah. In the show, it's like they they narrowed it down to just the king, a knight, and a rook. And maybe two pawns. 
And then, mm-hmm. like, that's all that there's going on compared to the whole chess set of what's going on in the books. Which, I, again, I don't even want to complain about simplifying the story because they have to. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think they've done that relatively well, except that I am left now feeling like I want there to be another shoe to drop. And I don't know if they're actually planning to drop one or not. One more episode and then we'll know I can't stand it. Are you guys dying like I am? <laughs> dying. Where are they going to cliffhanger us this time? Oh, man. I, I think I know. <laughs> oh, wait. Oh, this is the episode we have to ask. Not yet, but think about by the end of the episode where you want to see and send it an email. BGW at specficmedia.com. That goes for you and Christiana. Oh, Nettie, Chooch. What do you want to see the the closing credits on episode 10 to be send at any time between now and the start of the episode uh, last frame before the credits roll last frame before the credits like we did last season ah it crept up so mm. think about that and we can't we won't talk about it now. nobody put it nobody put it in the q a i don't want to see any ideas <laughs> put it in an email i'm not even looking at q a not gonna I'll, read it i'll update the survey tomorrow so it'll be it'll be live on the survey page yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Chooch. Yeah. So uh, I, I just wanted to lastly, and I know I said it before, I I do think that they are going to give us a good story with Tristan coming uh, and being on the small council. And I think that that's going to be interesting and so different from the book. So it'll be exciting. It'll be it'll be really interesting to see how all that plays out for sure. It'll be interesting to see what the small council looks like now. <laughs> Period. Yeah. It's Kyburn. Yeah, Kyburn, We think Tyrell's making it back from Bravos. Oh my god. <laughs> Took long enough to get that there. Poor fool singing around. <laughs> what baby? Said so it took long enough to get there. So uh, yeah. but that's jumping ahead too. Um so Braun gets released on one condition. <laughs> <laughs> It's pretty funny. He didn't seem too sore over. Although it was a good line, you know, pie looks good. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps soup. <laughs> that was good. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, just to kind of echo what I was saying earlier in terms of the time we've spent with the sand snakes, I, like that whole scene where the, they're having their weird slap fight, mm-hmm. uh, which slap fight makes it sound like it's something other than what they were actually doing, but I don't know how else to, describe it but i just feel like that is a character building scene that like why would they bother if they're not planning to continue using these characters and so i sure hope that they are not just going to be left behind as the show moves on agreed agreed yeah that they they definitely are building something and the the there's going to be more between them and brawn at least i think there's gotta be like if well, if not it's a lot of wasted yeah yeah um, you know, cause even like, even just returning to the whole thing of, as he's leaving is like, who am I? Yeah, exactly. Like you're saying, like, I, there's, there's gotta be more, there's gotta be more. <laughs> exactly. Um, That's my thought. I read somewhere that it's, uh, it's a speculation that the slap game is an inside joke among the writers, but I don't know what from. Hmm. So. Slap and tickle game or something. So in any in any case, I've actually liked some of the Dorn scenes, and I think that the way they've simplified it is pretty good. But I still feel like, again, it's it's just I feel like there's a missing piece that has not yet been revealed, 
And if it turns out they don't actually have another piece, that's what will be frustrating to me. Yeah. Yeah. Sheriff Bullock seems to agree. He says, I'm sure the producers don't want to overcomplicate the series, which is why no Iron Islands. But don't take us to, to Dorne if nothing substantial is going to come from it. As usual, Christian explains in a very articulate way why Dorne on TV disappoints. He also says Dorne feels like a very empty place. Perhaps it's off-season for the water gardens. Come back in November and this place will be <laughs> jumping. <laughs> I, I feel that. like... Even if there isn't the other shoe that I was waiting for, just the fact of having Marcella with Tristan come back to King's Landing could be enough of a reason to say this. We had to justify why that would happen. Although I think really, if that's all they wanted, they could have also just said, hey, let's let's call them back. And then two episodes later, oh, good. Here they are. (laughs) They didn't. Dorn, I think, is is so drastically different from the other zones that we've seen in in up in you know since season one practically. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I I absolutely am enjoying seeing Dorn. It's mm-hmm. one of my favorite zones from the books, and I'm happy to spend as much time there as possible. And I, I, I just even if nothing happens this season, I think that it was a good thing for non book readers to be able to get a sense of the area and to see. I mean, now we know. Now we know it's not just us warring through Cersei. Is Marcella okay? Is this thing with Joffrey triggered anything? You know, is she safe? She's not only safe; she's beautiful. She's thriving. She's in love, and her uncle slash daddy even commented <laughs> on her skimpy clothing. Yeah, <laughs> so um, that was good for me. That like, I think for me that was a big enough, a big enough payoff because I wasn't sure mm-hmm. what they were going to do since they hadn't shown Dorn very much yeah. before. So maybe it's just me wanting to overcomplicate things. But um, one additional <laughs> note on um, what Sheriff Bullock said was, uh, which is he mentioned no Iron Islands. I think, like, I don't know how much we want to get into, like, casting rumor type things. Yeah. But I suspect that some of the storylines that we might have expected in this season that weren't here um, are not abandoned permanently. They're totally. just delayed. I agree. I haven't even been looking at casting news, but I've just been kind of expecting them to fill in more backstory like they did this season with, you know, we learned a lot this season um, Mm -hmm. in conversations about the doom of Valeria and children of the forest and so many different things that, yeah, it's a lot. (laughs) I'm okay if they baby step through Doran a little bit. So where are we on the map? We've got a little bit more in Doran. Um, Alaria has the Pledge's Allegiance to the Duran of the United States of Doran. And um, then goes and has an interesting conversation with Jamie where, you know, if she had any suspicions about the incest, she seems to confirm it for herself because he doesn't deny anything. Mm -hmm. And, um, but essentially makes peace. You know, I know your daughter didn't have anything to do with this and uh, you probably didn't either. See, it seems like this that just feel like if this is all there is, that is a weird scene. Yeah. Why is she coming in and being all cryptic and saying, oh, no, maybe you didn't have anything to do with it. Suddenly, instead of pouring my wine on the floor when everybody says to King Tom and I'm going to say, you know what? Maybe you're okay." Like we're like I. I feel like she did with tears in her eyes, kneel and kiss Duran's ring, but 
but that means suddenly in private she's making nice with Jamie. I don't buy it. And if that's really all that's happening, that's exactly the sort of thing that feels like that feels weird if there's not something else going on. Maybe there should. But I don't don't know that there is because it's already can't be what it was in the books. Because their ship will have some sand snake stowaways and. Mm, could be. I would. I would be on board with that if the uh, sand snakes uh, accompany Tristan and uh, Marcella up to uh, King's Landing. Love that. That would be great. That would be amazing. Snakes in King's Landing. I'd be on board. Oh, oh man! Could you imagine (laughs) like the sand snakes reacting to the to the faith militant? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that would that that's a fan fiction. Somebody write that for me. Ooh. Hanging out with Elena. Oh yeah, they get along. You think? I think there would be at least a, a level of of respect, but I don't know if they would get along because the, their their flavor of female empowerment is very different. Yeah. It is, but I think they would definitely have some interesting conversations. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I I have no idea what's really going to happen because it already can't go the way that it did in the books. Yeah. yeah. We're going to travel over to Bravos and pick up Arya again, back to uh, selling some oysters and cockles and clams. and Oysters, clams, and cockles. A little sexual harassment on the side. Every time she does her little sales routine, it makes me want to go to like a raw bar and get some oysters. Oh, I know. I'm I'm like, I I want some of those clams. I want some of those oysters. Um, I did see uh, Beth Case had posted uh, the other day. She's like, oh, Aria, you need to, to speak from your chest, not from your head. You're going to lose your voice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but is that what Lana would do? I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> So she preps um, to press to preps to deliver the special oysters. We see she sees the thin man and gets mm-hmm. something that doesn't look like vinegar ready in her pouch, just in time to see Trant and Tyrell have finally made it to Bravos. Mm-hmm. And wow, spine tingly moment. Yeah. I have to say, like, I think book readers saw saw this coming. Um, as soon as we, you know, when Cersei sent Mace Tyrell and said, oh, and Sir Marin Trent will accompany you, we we kind of guessed how this was going to fit into the story because it takes the place of a different thing that happens in the yeah. books. And and honestly, I like this way better than, oh, the, yeah. than the book version of this plot beat that yeah. they're doing. Because well, he takes the place of Wrath the Sweetling, which is one of Gregor Clegane's guys. And... Okay, oh, you're no, thinking no, no, of something I'm different sorry. than I. I'm reading. No, nope, nope. you're see, right. We we can't. I think actually talk about specifically yeah. who he takes the place of because yeah. that could be a spoiler for something that the show hasn't done yet, right, but right. might still. No, no, no. I I was I got confused actually because I was reading that Sir Marin Trent is taking the place of. Somebody in a spoiler chapter from Winds of Winter. That's why I'm confused. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) But in any case, uh, the the character that this kind of happens with for Arya in the book, there's way less of a personal connection um, to Arya than this guy has. But this is so exciting because it's Marin Trent and he's on her list and it's like 
yeah, let's see, let's do this. And it's, it's not, it's not Mace that's there anyway, right? It's somebody else. Mace, Ty- well, Mace Tyrell is who mm-hmm. Marin Trant is accompanying. No, no, no. I mean in the book. But he's not. Oh, oh, no. no. Yeah. It, it, it's a whole other thing whole in the books. It, yeah. It's, so just yeah. well, let's just skip that. Yeah. No, that's fine. <laughs> well, especially because there's an element of that that could still come into still, play. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So I'm just trying to scoot yes. past it. <laughs> so, Spends like the day the stalking and ends yeah. up in a brothel. Yeah. Like, oh, then comes in like a cigarette girl. Oysters. <laughs> <laughs> Which seemed like uh, a popular item. Everybody yeah. seemed like everybody heard about oysters. Yeah, but who's afraid about tomorrow's fresh one and the fact that Arya now knows what his weakness is? Mm. How far well, she I, can go to get that name off her list? I can't um, help but notice that every time I'm she speculating. Gets- this is not a spoiler. Yeah. Well, same, same. And I, I'm just speculating on like how every time she gives someone an oyster, we see her with that knife opening the mm-hmm. oyster shell. They show the knife. It's a close-up of that knife every time. And I'm just mm-hmm. feeling like, hmm, yep, we're, we're making sure everybody knows she's got a knife on her. Up on well, the and remember she's, well, yeah, she's, remember when she was a uh, cupbearer for Tywin Lannister and she had that moment. There was that moment when his neck was vulnerable and there was the knife in her hand. She could have taken him out. What was that, season three? And she mm-hmm. didn't. So she may be a little quicker with the knife now. That's fascinating. The fact that she's got poison in her pocket. That's fascinating. I mean, it's just like, what are they going to put Arya through again before the fucking season? I can't take much more. I know that um, I saw some people online who were really grossed out by Marin Trant, you know, saying too old, too old, that whole bit. And obviously it's very gross. And yeah. And, you know, I, I can see the case that it's like, we already, like, we already know this guy is awful, but I, I would almost argue that it's like, we haven't seen him be extremely awful in a while. Like if you think back of all this stuff, yeah, yeah, but I feel like we did actually need to have some sort of an immediate thing that Mm -hmm. would be a justification for wanting to do something to him as opposed to just having to remember, Oh yeah. Cause as far as Arya is concerned, he's on her list because of killing Serial way back in season one. And I feel like we need something more immediate to make us, to make Arya hate him now. Not only that, but go against Jacques and Hagar's instruction with the thin man. Yeah. Because it wasn't just a shiny little object taking her. He, she had instruction that, that the girl disregarded yeah. and uh, she got her, I mean, who knows if Jockin knows or not, if he'd figured that out or not. But I did notice the guy he gave poison to when she came back was skinny. He was rather thin, but um, it, it, it was, it was a lot of risk for her. She was risking not only, you know, getting recognized which is scary enough but pissing off jacquin back at the at the at the uh jacquin sorry back at the house of black and white and it was it it just leaves it on such a dangling little tip of terror in my heart Mm -hmm. where the story's at right now that what do you think chooch i mean how far do you where's your he he was always such a miserable slimy bastard 
And so this solidified just his skin crawl level. Just he is so icky. <laughs> um, yep. So yep. And I already didn't like him and didn't like the things he had done. So this obviously mm-hmm. immediately puts it up on another level, but clearly gives her a way in because that was a a a butt pucker moment. He's going to recognize her. He's obviously, the yeah. gears are turning. He's putting it together. And then, oh, I'll just fuck, you know, destroy this person's life instead. Yeah. Destroy yeah. this person. This child, yes. But I was so scared that the lady was going to come and grab Arya mm-hmm. to be the one. And I was just like, don't go there. Don't go there. Don't, I, know. Like, I know it may be part of Arya's plan in the future, but that's one thing. But mm-hmm. I'm sitting there and I'm like, don't go there. Please don't go there. Please don't go there. When if she goes in there composed, it's a totally different yeah. thing. And then they pulled out that young girl. And all I can think is, well, we know that girl has never done anything, never thought she'd be doing anything. She's somebody's daughter. She's one of the people that mm-hmm. works there's daughter and was just pulled randomly because that girl did not. Or yeah. a kitchen maid or something. Yeah, exactly. yeah. I was too young to be on maid. the roster. Yeah, because yeah. the most the, the youngest one on the roster was the most expensive girl, and she was still too old. So, Ooh. well, and the girl that came out was um like they that they brought out. She was not like in a sexy outfit. Yeah. She was just mm-hmm. in like, she was, clothes. Yeah. yeah. And then and then mm-hmm. he he knows it too because then he says, "And you'll have a fresh one for t- me tomorrow." Mm-hmm. Which means it's not just age, and it's just ick, ick, ick. Yeah. Rem- uh, this is a total tangent. I, I wonder if she's going to steal, like, one of the faces. Mm. Mm. It goes rogue and comes in as a different little girl. Mm. Well, and that's one thing that I can't tell is when he's when he's staring her down, is it because she's a young girl? Or is it because he she looks familiar? I thought at first it was because she was a young girl, and then the gear started turning. Like I've seen her somewhere yeah. before. Well, I think especially when he realized she was following him, that was when like it's one thing to say she looks familiar, but then to see her again in several different places across the city, including like like did he see her in the brothel? I don't remember if he. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he he, did. yeah. Oh but, no, yeah, not so, before they were in the room. I don't think no. Yeah, so, but, like, they... One of the guards pushed her in and said, come on, we're hungry. He definitely noticed, though, that she was following them. And so I think my guess is that he would recognize her, if not for the fact that just in his head, Arya Stark is probably dead, and how would she be in Bravos here anyway? That makes no sense. So it couldn't be her. But she does look familiar. And so I think he hasn't placed her, but he's definitely suspicious. He's thinking like, who is that? Why is she watching us like that? Why is she following me? She looks familiar. What is going on? But at the same time, it's still relatively low on his priority list. He's not worried about it unless something else happens. But I think he he's definitely... If she like if if her plan is to try to like be this next girl or something like that, I think if if she shows up in that context, that's where he's going to be re- like, okay, wait a minute, what's going on here? <laughs> Tranty uh, senses were tingling, but he was well, too horny. The thing is, 
<laughs> yeah, he is a thoroughly awful person, but he has not been shown to be awful because he's stupid. He's just awful because he's awful, but he is he is one of the people that has managed to ingratiate himself sufficiently to uh, first Joffrey and then Cersei um, that he has risen to a high position in the uh, Kingsguard. But yeah, he's so he's not a stupid guy. He's just disgusting. Um, but I, I, what I thought was really interesting is, you know, when, when Arya comes back and talks to Jacken, I mean, obviously she, she lied to him. Right. And we got the, that look of him being like suspicious face after she walked away, but he did not hit her. Every Mm -hmm. other time that he Mm -hmm. has lied to him, he hit her. And I wonder if that ties into this idea that we talked about last time with, um, like does not matter to the many faced God. So I wonder if like the test is more complicated than we were thinking maybe. And it's not just about like, can she follow this assignment? But maybe if there's an element of like, well, let's find out what she is going to do. So even if she is choosing not to follow instructions, what is she going to do instead and why? But certainly we know, too, though, that the only reason for her to go after Marin Trent is because Arya wants to revenge on him, not because it's some sort of a broader vigilante thing, even though she might try to say that's what it is if she called on it. Hmm. Yeah. But I just thought it was significant that she lied to Jacken and he didn't hit her for it. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't tell whether he, he knew she was lying or not. It's, it's... That, that look was very uh, opaque. <laughs> Any other Bravos business? No? Okay, down to down to Marine with one essentially very long scene. <laughs> very mm-hmm. exciting mm-hmm. scene. The great games have arrived. Yeah. Uh, so we see the big giant stadium and everybody's there and ready and we have some banter and Danny learns that not only does she have to sit and watch this thing that she doesn't want, she has to be the one who sends them to their death. Yeah. And uh, I, I liked how even Tyrion, who had said that it was wise for her to do this, she was clearly not into it either. And I think that I wonder how much of it was really just a, well, you had to do it, but even if it's distasteful and how much there was maybe an element of, boy, now that I'm, now that I'm seeing it, I'm not sure this is, what we ought to be doing at all. Because like he actually, I, I mean, we're kind of jumping ahead a little bit, but it's like when Jorah is, is potentially about to be killed, he's like, you can stop this. And, and I mean, that would definitely not be <laughs> on board with this whole thing. Um, I, I did love just the pronouns of that exchange though, where he's Tyrion says to Daenerys, you can stop this. His dar says to Tyrion, she can't. And Tyrion says to Daenerys again, you can. Tyrion is talking to Daenerys as a person. His dar is talking to Tyrion about Daenerys as a right. third person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a very good point. I just thought that was a nice nuance in the dialogue. Mm-hmm. They had, had some great exchanges, obviously, with Dario and and. You know, you should put the money on the the fast man because back when I was in the pits, do to do to do and phew, brilliant timing. Yeah, that was nice. And, I have uh, to say, there there was a moment early in this scene 
that that totally set me up to expect one thing and then something else happened later. They're all ready to go and his jar's not there yet. And then he just shows up and he's like, oh, no, I was just making sure everything's going according to plan. Yep. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mustache. Wink, wink to the camera. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, and all, I was all like, oh, I think I know what's going on here. But uh, I, w- I was confounded in my expectation by yes. him getting shanked later. Yeah. This does not happen in the books, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's definitely different how this all goes yeah. down. And uh, yeah. <laughs> but it was cool seeing the different uh, free fighters – Um, and Vivid called out the uh, oh it's a water dancer when the guy comes out and Mm -hmm. it was cool and then he saw somebody that looked like one of the more Dorn guards with the big axe and Mm -hmm. um, that was really cool and we see and the Dothraki and we Mm -hmm. see that there is no honor in the pit because as Jorah is about to get shanked the uh, Bravosi gets stabbed in the back yeah. Well, it's the difference between a one-on-one fight and a, a, a melee thing where it's really just like one person comes out out of everybody. And so it was really that own guy's fault for posturing over Jorah instead of just finishing it and watching his back. Yeah. Yep. Sure. Kind of like Oberyn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Survivor, as soon as you get cocky, man, you're out. <laughs> Then Jorah is victorious, and so all the booing, was the booing because he won or because he didn't kill him yet? I I think, oh, sorry, go ahead, Nani. Oh, I was just going to say, because it was the Miranese champion that he uh, defeated, hmm. that that the crowd was following the Miranese champion, that this is somebody, fr- one of you, and so they were cheering for that person all along. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, it was basically Jorah is some Westerosi knight upstart who thinks he's better than us, and we want to see him take it, get taken down. He's not the home team; he's the away team. Gotcha. And so, in they, honor cause, of our queen, yeah, because because yeah. there was you know a cheer when he killed somebody, but that's because mm-hmm. their favorite wasn't okay. I couldn't tell if like he just hadn't finished yet, so they were booing until mm-hmm. he could finish him. Um, but then throws the spear and it's who the boy, what yeah <laughs> what are you thinking it was brilliant I, though yeah i i loved the moment even though it reeks of plot convenience yeah. that it happened yeah. to be right at that moment and but I, and that he's that good with a spear that <laughs> he was able to do it like right in between daenerys and his start to get this yeah. behind them but anyway i, I love the moment anyway so i was able to for, forgive that element but one of the things that actually hadn't occurred to me before this time was this whole idea that, oh, sports will placate the angry masses. And then it just kind of occurred to me is like, in our world experience, when a big sporting event goes one way or the other, do we think of that as something that calms people down (laughs) or causes riots? Yeah. yeah. So it, it did, so like when everyone was booing Jorah, it just did make me think it's like, I feel like this kind of puts the lie to the whole idea that this is going to calm anybody down. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> and it's really, I mean, I understand Tyrion's disgust because these are slaves that are supposedly free men, but um, it's only, only a small difference from the 
the attorneys that they hold in Westeros, you know, like the attorney for the, of the hand and all those things. Those people are privileged and rich and they sign up for the lists. And otherwise they're fighting to the death many times what? when you're up against the mountain. Uh, in the Westerosi yeah. tournaments, it's not to the death. I mean, it could happen by accident, but. Right. But I mean, I'm, I'm saying my point is it's, it's, it's like the, it's like the classist version of it. It's like they have the sporting event and in Marine, they call it a sport, but it's actually just a name so they can get away with betting on because they're in charge. They're forcing the soldiers or the pawns to do the fighting for them instead of them joining the lists and doing it. Hmm. Well, it's certainly I wasn't true saying one's better than the other. I mean, well, I know, I know. I just, is, you know, they have no, no choice and they die yeah. and the other is, they get That's some a, fancy accolade. I agree completely there. I, I just, I, I thought you were, you meant the tournaments specifically, but yeah. Well, well no, they aren't intended to die, but you know, when the mountains end, wild guard. Well, right. But again, that would be like an accident in bad form in Westeros. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the same time, you're right though, that there's death all over the place everywhere. And to sort of pretend that like, oh, well, it's extra bad because it's in the stadium is, but at the same time, it's, it's also a little bit like what Tyrion says in the sense of like, there's enough death all over the place all the time that I don't really look for it in my entertainment, which I thought was an interesting comment, just given that there are a lot of people feeling like some of the stuff that's happened this season are enough to, for them to just feel like this show is not fun for me to watch anymore. And I want to stop, which is a fair feeling. If someone, if that's how someone feels like, I don't, I don't want to even argue against that. You know, if someone feels like I'm not enjoying this show anymore, life's too short to watch a show that you don't enjoy. Yep. Yep. And so Tyrion's line there is kind of along those lines of like, well, you know, there's horrible stuff in real life and you don't necessarily have to look for it in your show. I'm not ready to quit watching the show, but at the same time, if someone's in that emotional space, then that's. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, I have a, we have a friend that, that didn't watch it for a long time because of, Oh, I recognize that glass. Oh, <laughs> Balticon. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, I forgot what I was going to say. Someone <laughs> else talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sheriff Bullock had said there's there's been uh, lots of Game of Thrones has crossed the line articles this week. And I agree Though we've had plenty of death on the show. Sunday's episode was awful and upsetting. I'm seriously thinking of quitting after this season. Why do they have to kill his dar? Zolorak. <laughs> I feel like that last question is sarcastic. Yeah. 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 I don't think anybody's really upset <laughs> that he's died. I remember I, now, Nutty, Nutty gave me the prompt and I remember it. We had a friend that was not reading the books whose husband was, whose husband was watching the show because of the fact that she's very sensitive to emotional things and, you know, death and murder and gore and all that stuff. And I'm the same when it hits a certain level, I'm out. And I wait until Chooch tells me that I can uncover my eyes and ears, stay away from zombies and that sort of thing. So, I mean, I also understand when a show is stressing you out to the point where, like, I mean, I felt so bad for Chooch when we're watching it. And if you're a book reader, you know that that uh, that uh, Eamon, Master Eamon's life that's that wasn't expected at that moment. 
So like going back an episode or two when Master Eamon died, I sobbed on the couch like like it was I was being flayed. It was like, I mean, it was like out and out sobbing. I was so unprepared. And it's like, I think, okay, now has the show gone too far? And then Sansa gets raped. Has the show gone too far? Now we're looking, we're staring down Marin Trant and Arya being in a room together. And I'm wondering, is this show going to really make me choose? Because one of the reasons why I keep watching it is because it's so brilliantly written and executed that it evokes these strong reactions. You only mm-hmm. really care. It's like I was talking to Patrick Scafido at Balticon. People only get upset that things aren't perfect mm-hmm. when it's because they care so much. They yeah. love it so much. That means so much to them. They're so invested in it. They can't do anything but have this huge reaction and either have to walk away or decide to keep going through it. And I'm going mm-hmm. through it from, I'm in it to win it, you know, whatever the hell that means. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, where I'm at, like just on that, that same level is just like, there can be moments in the show that I don't like as much, or I feel like I don't think they handled this element very well. Or I think that this, you know, got stretched out too far, or I missed this element that they've taken out. Like, so I, you know, I think it's perfectly fair to have criticisms over certain elements of the show that don't necessarily mean that you hate the show and want to stop watching. It's just kind of like you can have a good friend or a family member that you love deeply. And then you have a, a, you could even have a screaming argument with them, but that doesn't mean that you're not friends anymore. It means that you have to say, okay, well, let's, Try to patch that up and move past it, but mm-hmm. uh, but you're you're not abandoning everything. No. Now a show is a little different because at the same time I think you can just reach a threshold where if you already feel like you've been putting up with a lot and it's just more on top of that and you don't feel like it's moving in the direction that you want, again, like that's fair. And so like I actually tweeted earlier this week. Um, just because some of the conversations I was seeing on social media, I was just like, hey, guys, people are allowed to like or not like a show for any reason that they want. Yeah. So just because someone else has decided to stop watching a show that you want to keep watching, that's not an attack on you. No, <laughs> it's yeah. not. And, and, and it, it gets into one of those those things where you're not it's not a debate where someone like I, I took debate in high school. I was one of those nerds, one of those UIL nerds. And I went and I did readings and I did debates and all that nerdy stuff. And there's a debate where you try to convince somebody and there's a winner and a loser. Somebody has a higher score. Someone doesn't have a higher score, but you know, these social media, this is discussion. This is people opening themselves up and saying, fuck this shit because of that. Or I really love this because of that. And then, Everybody has their opinions and they throw in. And I think that the lines are really muddied and that people say things that they wouldn't say in a face-to-face conversation. If you were standing there talking to your, your brother's mother-in-law, would you talk like this, you know, about her opinion about a TV show? It's kind of like, I think people forget that with social media. So I totally agree with you. Everybody's got their own reasons. And when people pile on, it's just, why does, why does, that why does that person think that their voice will say something in a certain way that will totally change the original poster's mindset? It's not it's not like, oh gee, I can't decide. It's I'm not watching this show anymore because this. And then like Christiana says, it's like belittling their feelings. And the one thing you can't judge somebody for is how they feel about something. Yeah. We don't control that. 
I think if you get a couple comments after you that are backing you up, that's all the justification you need. <laughs> no, even though knowing you're not going to change anybody's mind. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I get it. I get why people have that instinctive reaction because, you know, I, I think everyone has felt that at one point or another, like, for example, one of, I think one of the, one of the things I remember feeling very strongly was I loved the speed racer movie deeply. I really, really liked it, but it got a lot of hate online. Um, some of it from people who saw it and it just wasn't for them. And from a lot of people who honestly just didn't go to see it at all. But I remember there was a, there was a period there where it really felt like when people were saying bad things about that movie in my emotional hindbrain, it felt like they were saying bad things about me and it's completely yeah. irrational, but I get that feeling. Everybody and does it to a certain yeah. extent. Yeah. And so I think it's just a matter of, it's good to have a reminder every so often to just say, okay, that's an understandable reaction, but not an acceptable one. Right. I think it is incumbent on all of us to occasionally remember that it is just a TV show. <laughs> and, and yeah, it's a TV show that people can turn off and lower, lower their cable bill by turning off. So yeah. you're paying. So you're, you're literally making a choice every month to, yeah. to stay or go and, content on other shows and stuff like that. But this is, this is one I'm sticking through so far. We've, if I can stick through that goddamn red wedding, I can make it through anything. Almost, <laughs> almost anything. Well, see almost. what Sunday brings for Aria. Uh, just one other thing there too, is that remember that even when a lot of people might say, okay, that's it. I'm done. I mean, what that might just mean is I am done watching it week to week where I'm going to be surprised by things. And so maybe what I mean is I'm going to take a break from the show. Maybe I'll catch up later when I've had other people kind of give me a little bit of a clue what's coming. And so I'm more prepared for it and I don't have to feel as traumatized. Like it doesn't have to necessarily mean like get the behind me game of Thrones. Right. I shall shake the dust off my boots and not look back. Well, Okay, let me ask you guys something, because a friend of all of ours, Jared Axelrod, posted a question about um, should there be trigger warnings on uh, on your fiction when it goes out, on your creations when it goes out. This whole fascinating um, co conversation happens, which I watched very closely because, like, I joke all the times. I'm like the canary in the uh, coal mine where I'm the one that is sensitive to stuff. So if anybody's going to faint, I'm going to be the first to faint. If there's a bad smell, I'm going to be the first one to smell it. And I'm going to get a migraine from it. But like I was talking today with some people about like for, it's like wanting to know, like I asked Christiana and Nettie, which we haven't done yet. And I really wish we'd done it. But at Balticon to do a spoiler conversation where they tell me what's the worst What's the worst? That way I know what the book worst is. And I know that Weiss and Benioff are going to just make it worse to, to shock the book readers. And it's like, it comes down to a conversation I was having earlier today where do we do a, like for episode 10, like, do we start offering just for my own sake? I would love to know what's coming in the next episode, mm. but like, do we do like, okay, trigger warning, you know, this, the episode airs 10 o'clock, 
it goes dark on Sunday. We jump online and say, okay, if you don't like children, you know, if you don't like fires <laughs> and burning children and, you know, these are the things and you can go deeper and deeper and deeper, but it's like, I'm somebody that has to watch for trigger warnings. So I always assume that I'm the most sensitive person in the room. And I forget that there are other people that are sensitive to triggers as well. And it's like, how far do you wait to find out about the triggers? And, and then you're trying to fight spoilers and it's just, it's a whole, I th- I really think that you're right. You have to decide to be in it week to week or you have to decide to take a step back and wait until the season's over and mainline it as you can take it in. Mm-hmm. And don't podcast about it on any kind of a time frame. <laughs> I think that um, it, it is a very interesting conversation to have. Um, I know for a fact, you know, getting outside of a television show, um, uh, someone very close to me uh, had traumatic things happen in her life. And as she's going through high school, they have to read various books. And when they would get to a certain book, her mother and her counselor had to say to the teacher, she is not going to read this book with your class because this is going to be too triggering for her because it almost describes exactly what's happened to her. And in that case, you know, you take things by a case by case basis. Do I think that every piece of fiction should have a trigger warning? No, but you should have some idea of what you're getting into. And when you're getting into Game of Thrones, every trigger that's out there is in it. It is. It absolutely. My trigger. What's going to happen? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's, that's, I think where I come down on trigger warnings is that I, you know, some people seem to be just vehemently against them in any context, which is weird to me, but like, I feel like they're not, where they're helpful is when something might come as more of a surprise. Like if you are watching something where you or reading something where up until that point, it had not communicated to you that anything like that might happen and it would really feel like it comes out of nowhere. That's different than a story where it's dark and gritty and grim all yeah. the way through and then stuff happens. It's more like, well, you know, the show is or the book is telling you on every page what kind of story it's telling you. And then if it feels in context with that. Now, that's not to say you couldn't have a really well made story that has something come out of nowhere. Yeah. But I feel like that is the and it's tricky. Yeah. The way the the place that I landed on it and sorry for the dog outside barking. It's not Kaylee, I promise, um, is that if it's something with. Um, a book jacket. Somebody said, well, you can look on the back of a book and see. Well, yeah, but how many of us spend time in bookstores flipping books over and reading the back of the book? Most of us, the four of us, we are finding our media online. We're finding it through recommendations. A lot of it is uh, grassroots. There's no money behind it. There's no back of the book that describes what type of book it is. You have to count on the author's description of horror or explicit or anything like that. It's not like, you know, MPAA rating system, regardless of what you think, at least you have a general idea of what you're coming in for. And so while obviously it's, it's a voluntary thing. um, I, I, I think it's more necessary in works. Shut up dog. I think it's more necessary in works by independent authors and self publishers because you don't want to hook a new reader. Like if somebody was really into sports and they didn't like horror and they 
first thing they read from Sigler, Scott Sigler, author of and somebody we all know, is is the um, the rookie, the football galactic football league. So then all of a sudden they go pick up one of his horror novels and it comes, it seems like it comes out of left field for them maybe. And so it's without, it's like the ones that are still trying to get their names out there, the commercials, the movie trailers and all of those things, those folks, I think fine. They're letting us know what's coming in the movies, but creators like you, Christiana and stuff like that. A lot of us rely on things like, ID three art or synopses and things like that. And you can't really like, like how would Sigler have a twist to his story? If he told us that there was, you know, it's like one of those things. It's like you want a trigger warning to help people like me and like other people that have triggers that make them have a physical reaction and, or whatever the reaction is. But it also comes down to how do you tell a story with any kind of surprise well i think it'd be like putting a a trigger warning in front of the episode um with the red wedding and it's like by the way trigger warning for murder and pregnant women getting murdered and all this other stuff and you're like well i know what's gonna happen in this episode you have to decide which triggers are important yeah which what what makes the list what if you could opt in what if you were somebody like me that needed to know that um, a child violation was going to occur. What if there was a place for me to see that that did not get bullhorned out to everybody else? So it wasn't a spoiler to you. It would be just a warning for me, like, okay, take a volume, sit down, <laughs> calm yourself. Well, but I think those things do exist in yeah. a lot of, for a lot of things, especially anything that's like mainstream culture. Agreed, and, agreed, yeah. And so I think. There's two ways to look at it, right? There's one, which is from the perspective of someone who feels like they would appreciate having trigger warnings. Mm -hmm. And then there's also from the perspective of someone who is making some kind of content that's intended for everybody, which might include the people who would appreciate trigger warnings, Mm -hmm. but might also include the people who would rather be surprised by stuff that happens. Mm -hmm. And so I think if someone you know, for the purpose of self-protection, someone who feels like they, they want or need trigger warnings, I think probably the safest bet would be don't watch something right away until you can have a little bit of a filter process. Right. You're not necessarily spoiled, but you can have someone tell you it's like, there's going to be something in this one that you would have a problem with. And you would only yeah. be spoiled if it's something that you would want to be spoiled on. I mean, that's, that's the well, whole and that's point. what makes the whole thing a nightmare is that it's all subjective. And yeah. again, again, I was only thinking about it in the context that Jared was talking about it. I'm mm-hmm. not asking anybody to do it. I'm saying I would opt in for that. I, mm-hmm. I am fine. As I told you guys, I'm fine with being spoiled. I'd rather not have to give up the show because I don't know what's coming and I don't know if I can mm-hmm. handle it, you know? Yeah. It's it's it like again not something I I ever see happening anytime soon because I don't think most people are willing to see their triggers, let alone make sure they aren't coming across them on their own. You know, it's definitely tricky. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I definitely don't think it would be the best thing for everything that might have any kind of objectionable content whatsoever to 
um, to have to spoil it up front. I don't think, but like, I don't think anyone's even suggesting that though. No, no, no. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. whole genres that I don't, I don't watch or listen to or right. read because I know that they're going to be a trigger. My son and my son and his wife went and saw Insidious three last night. Guess what movie I will not be seeing. <laughs> I can't handle those, but what, it's, what I love to tell people is it's like, if you, if you're, if you need to stay away from a certain thing, uh, check Tumblr, do a Tumblr search on it, and you will find out if there are trigger warnings or not. Because yeah. when people talk about it, they'll put the trigger warnings in for you. Interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. There was a site. It was uh, kidsinmind.com or .org mm-hmm. or something like that that we used to use for everything when my kids were younger. Uh, when 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 our kids were younger and lived with us and we would have to check movie ratings and stuff like that. I don't, I, I'm, I'm almost like, screw it. I'm going to, I'll write an article for the game of Thrones one. And just like every week. Okay. You guys, this is what's going to happen. <laughs> because a lot of times you don't even know what element of it would be the trigger. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, that's, the that's the other thing is you can't accommodate all the triggers out there because we, you don't even know what they are a lot of the times. Yeah. yeah uh, mm-hmm. As famously said by many people, anything can be a trigger. And I was watching an episode of Orphan Black and all of a sudden, I'm feeling very claustrophobic, and everyone's like, "What is your problem?" I'm like, oh, "I can't breathe. She's in a box. I can't yeah. breathe." You know, and and yeah. whereas other people would have no problem with that whatsoever. Yeah, so, and I just attributed that to good uh, filmmaking. <laughs> <laughs> but I also want to categorically re- reject anybody who sees a trigger warning and is angry by that for some reason. Yeah. Right. Agree. Yeah. 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 It, it, it's, it's how dare it to me. It sounds like how dare you make me feel uncomfortable for not having a problem with these horrible things. No, there's nothing wrong with you for not having a problem with these things. It's just, you don't have that specific issue. You know? It's mm-hmm. kind of, I mean, to make it very melodramatic and to over-exaggerate it to the exponential magnitude, um, it's kind of like the difference between, and I'm not equating these, believe me, I have a handicap placard. I understand the struggle of being physically disabled, but it's kind of like if people would complain, well, why do there have to be so many handicapped parking spaces? Mm-hmm. It, it, it's, it's one less for me, a non-handicapped person. And it's kind of like the difference of, yeah, but our society is built to, for the public enjoyment and not necessarily for the lowest common denominator, but to meet the needs of the people. And, you know, that's kind of what the movie rating system is. It's kind of what the TV rating system is. It's kind of what all those things are, explicit warnings that we put on our podcast. But it really comes down to people having to know themselves, know when to walk out of a room, know when to turn off the TV and know when to not go on social media. If you're if you're three days behind on Game <laughs> of Thrones, you best stay off Facebook. Because if I see the word spoiler come out three days after an episode, we're going to talk. <laughs> yeah. So I, that's, that's, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> I, a really great discussion, but we're way off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Off. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> <clears throat> but it's important stuff. I agree. Oh, it is. Definitely. Um, so we've got uh, Sons of the Harpy Everwar. Yeah. And, uh, so they're rallying, like you said, uh, Lorak gets gutted, and um, and Jorah's like, all right, come on. And she takes yeah. his hand, which his, was interesting. Yeah, uh, it had the ick. Uh, okay, skill. Oh. Uh, 
<laughs> and Vivid backed uh, up a little bit and looked. Wait, nope. He touched both hands because he was holding the sword and then he switched hands. And then, <laughs> Yeah. That makes me actually less concerned. About, I See, I feel still feel like Daenerys has got plot armor when it comes to Greyscale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. But, That's what we're counting on. But Daenerys then holds hands with Missandei. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, oh, shit. And maybe transient oh, cooties. Oh, shit. That's all speculative. I yeah. don't know that that's yeah. going to happen. I was just no. I know. Seems- I didn't even think of that because I was so because like Chooch said, I was like, does he touch her with his hand? God damn it! I mean, we're all. I, what do we know? Does it have to be the gray scale skin that touches raw skin? Yeah, we have no idea. So we mm-hmm. have to assume that she's going to get it now. And yeah. he doesn't touch her with one hand. I backed it up. Motherfucker switched swords hands, touched her with both hands, missed Missende after that. I mean, mm. I saw that they clasped hands and I was like, oh, they really think they're dying. Really I didn't think sweet. of. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's, it, but it's also just interesting to consider that this sort of irresponsible behavior related to his grayscale is exactly the sort yeah. of thing that Tyrion was talking about, exactly. which is like, this yeah. is why you should not have him near you right. because he makes yeah. these kinds of decisions. He does not trust you to be wise enough to. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, and he's got bracers covering. He's got those, those arm things. Mm-hmm. They come here. So I saw there was leather mm-hmm. from here and up, but um, what the fuck, man? He, he's, you're exactly right. He's proving Tyrion right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, I mean, it may be that he is himself underestimating, like he might think like, oh, it's not that contagious yet because it's only a patch on his arm or something. We don't. And, and honestly, we don't really know. We know that it can be very contagious, but like how big a threat is it for him to just touch someone now? Like, does it spread like that or is it more like. Well, these stone men, they got it like freaking all over them and they're trying to get all over you. And so that's what might do it as opposed to someone like who keeps his hands washed. And like, I don't we don't know exactly how contagious it is, but he's certainly being irresponsible regardless. I think we're all agreed there. Could um, be nothing, could be a red herring, but I yeah. don't feel good for Miss Sunday. <laughs> But I, still, I have, but Tyrion saved her. He was such a badass when Tyrion saved Missende mm-hmm, up on that uh-huh. when they were still up on the thing. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. like, ooh, Tyrion. Yeah. I love Tyrion because he's like looking around and he's like, oh, you have a knife. I'll take your knife. <laughs> and oh, I'll stab you. And oh, you come with like you can see the gears turning yeah. and figuring it yeah. out. Say I'm um, not a good fighter. <laughs> yeah, Battle of the Blackwater, and he survived the freaking eerie people that attack. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna go ahead and call it and say this season's version of Dothraki math is that the Unsullied just seemed not very capable, honestly. For yeah. how much they were built up, we yeah. see a lot of them get killed. Yeah, they suddenly yeah. turned into stormtroopers. <laughs> yeah. Now, I, we like if we wanted to try to lean over and and make allowances for them, we could maybe say, well, the way that they are great is when they're fighting in ranks as an mm-hmm. army on a battlefield and not this sort of chaotic hand to hand sort of melee. Um, uh, that might and that might be a fair thing, especially since spear and shield is like their primary training, I think. Mm hmm. Um, and so that might be fair, but at the same time for how much these guys were built up as like the ultimate warriors and like yeah. all of the extreme things that are done to them to make them so amazing, 
They don't seem that amazing. They well, keep yeah, dying There seems a lot. to be a lot more harpies than Unsullied yeah. do in that arena, which there's something odd. going on here. And I, I, I didn't want to cut anyone else off, but like the, first of all, the fact that I was super surprised that they killed his dar. Right. But also they, they were killing a lot of masters too. It was not just like mm-hmm. slaves or just, you know, Danny's people or in the Unsullied. Was, they were killing a bunch of people in like the master's clubs. Yeah. The masters are the ones that have the big rings on them. Right. Those big rings in the front. Yeah, I think so. There were a lot of masters that died. At least by the type of, of fabric they were wearing, I assume they were masters. Yeah, there's there's just a lot of death. And, you know, uh, as Christiana said, uh, she and I were very surprised that his dar died because in the books, it's a totally different threat, but it feels like he's possibly in on it. Maybe I well, he certainly led that. us to think that when he showed up late and said, "Oh, I had a few things to take care of," or yeah. whatever it was. Yeah. I thought for sure he was in on it until, and and even when he got stabbed, my first thought was, "Oh, it's fake somehow." Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until we saw him like starting to lose consciousness as he's bleeding out, we actually got a shot of him bleeding on the ground, and I was like, "Oh, well, maybe, maybe like, he did, maybe it was his plot, and they just didn't need him anymore, too." Well, it's certainly true that uh, he might have uh, been betrayed by people that he thought he could trust, like he got double-crossed or something. Mm. Um, that could happen, but I, I don't know how they would really explain that at this point. But I think – so I, I honestly don't know how they're planning to deal with that at this yeah. point because it was so different from what I thought was going to happen. But it also – I think it definitely seems to be – driving the plot in the direction of Marine is a lost cause. Yeah. I, I, I liked how Dario starts to look for his dar. Like you, at least in my head, it's like, I'm going to kill this guy. Cause it's totally his fault. And then he's like, Oh no, no, he's dying. What? <laughs> Cause he's been saying all this time that his dar is with the harpies. And then you see his shock. Like, Oh, Okay, I I was wrong, <laughs> and I thought that was awesome. Yeah, mm-hmm. we got to see him wrong twice that episode, like within all, <laughs> the same five yeah. minutes. <laughs> yes, well, uh, according to Sheriff Bullock, he he doesn't know TV logic or TV irony. Sorry, so <laughs> he shouldn't have been talking about little guys winning. Yeah. Mm. So things are looking very grim. We even see Dario throw his beloved dagger at somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Presumably he'll go collect it later, but um and Danny closes her eyes and I think I can, I think I can, and you hear the screech. Yeah. That was just so <laughs> cool. The way he comes in and the landing and the fire, and just like nobody's <laughs> getting close to mama. Were you guys expecting him to show up? <sighs> Church. No, it. I was. I was so oh. caught up with everything going on. I. I didn't see. Like, yeah. I. I, I didn't see it coming. Then, um, I kind. I'm. I can sense. I can kind of see foreshadowing coming and stuff. So I saw that they were in a wide open place. That would be perfect. Dragon landing spot. We know he's out flying. I was like, I hope. Because, I mean, how else were they going to get out of that? How else was Danny? Forget the rest of them. How was Danny going to get out of it? You know, she's really the one that has to get out if she's going to 
complete this, continue down this story. And I really honestly, for a moment, I thought, yep, I don't need to read another page. I don't need to watch another episode. This is all I've ever wanted to see. I've seen, you know, her flying on Dragon, which I didn't know. I've got the story of the children of the forest, which I didn't think I'd have. I got the story of Doom of Valeria. Really, do we need a season six? Really? Are there more (laughs) books coming? Do I need more information? Yes, I do. I have been thinking about this all season. It's like, so you, did you guys see it coming? Did you guys know from book four? Yeah. It's, well, it's, I mean, it happens in book five. Yeah. But, five. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, I was like, that's a pretty big fucking thing for me to forget that was in no, book no, no, four. No. <laughs> or you didn't so that's a book five thing too also. In, in fact, very near the end of book five. I don't remember if it's exactly the end. Yeah, or, it's towards uh, the back. It's yeah. definitely towards the back. Okay. But There's I really... Mean, go ahead. I was just going <laughs> to say, I think in terms of book five... There's really only one more big thing I think that the show could even do before they're officially out of main character plot. Yeah, they've got. I, I'm. I don't know what the fuck next season they're going to do because based on what you guys are telling me, it sounds like they've covered so much grand. Although we have not seen Rickon or Bran or um, who's the other one we were talking about today. Hmm. Well. We never have made it to High Garden. Did we go to High Garden at this point in the books? No, but uh, there's also stuff uh, with the Iron Islands that was yeah. in the books that we haven't seen yeah. that they might be revisiting. Oh, yeah. So I, I mean, That's I think interesting it, stuff too. Uh, Christiana, you're unmiked again. Uh, okay. Yeah. All right. So there, there's definitely more. Story they could do, but they're definitely running out of stuff that's already happened in the books. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, yeah, so I I I got uh, a Twitter comment from uh, Pat Twit, who I I'm, it's a different Pat than our Patman, I think, but mm-hmm. uh, um, who says uh, very psyched to hear your take on Uncle George's Dance with Dragons, since you also wrote Dragon Human Gladiator Combat. Oh yeah, <laughs> so, uh, I have a scene in Nina Kimberly the Merciless where it's yes, a big stadium and it's a dragon fighting against gladiators in a big stadium, and in, it involves uh, dragon riding at one point. Although, in my story, uh, Tiernan the dragon is uh, wounded and cannot fly, but right. uh, there's still, uh, but yeah, so. Um, <laughs> I yeah, I was a fan of the scene. In, yeah, when, in the when show. Danny closed her <laughs> eyes, I thought maybe we might see a dragon, but I thought it would just be fly around and everybody would get scared and run away. I had mm. no idea, you know, he would be coming down and then wish he would ride him. That was yeah. just blew me Dude, away. When I read this in the books, I I I remember exactly what was going on. You know how I've talked about how, you know. Things have made me so angry in the book that I threw the book across the room. Well, this is me getting up on my feet, jumping up and down while reading, going, yes, <laughs> yes, you know, and, and, and so this is like such an epic moment. And if if the entire show were this scene, it would be getting a 10 out of 10 everything. It would right. be getting a 15 out of 10, you know, I yeah. mean, the the way that this happened just, oh, it made me so happy. Yeah, it's different from the books, but this is the show. You know, the show yeah, is different. this is their translation. Mm. I just, I yeah. loved it so much. And it's it's one of those things where it's like, you know, when I first started reading these books, I didn't think it was going to be a dra- dragon rider thing. But now, mm-hmm. dragon riders, dragon riders, <laughs> dragon riders. <laughs> um, 
I I saw uh, one one thing that's interesting uh, that I'm sure the show will address is just the fact that of course she flies off on drug on leaving the rest of Everybody. her uh, mm-hmm. people folks down there on the stadium floor. But uh, I saw a comment on Facebook that I I can't remember who it was now, but uh, basically made the the case that uh, they would like to see those four as an RPG party, like a D and D party of that would be Tyrion, so Jorah, Missandei and Dario. And oh, I was just thinking, great. Oh, well, Jorah is a paladin, obviously. Mm-hmm, obviously. Um, you know, uh, Dario is a rogue, uh, Tyrion, probably wizard. Right. I'm thinking, mm-hmm. and then Missandei, I guessed bard, but I don't know. What do you well, guys think? Be good. I, I think bard. Yeah. She could maybe cleric too. I don't know, yeah. but uh, yeah, I'm thinking bard is better than cleric. Yeah. The languages thing is what I'm kind of thinking of yeah. there. See, um, Lord of the Rings Online, I would totally see her as a Scott, as the um, floor keeper, mm-hmm. which is yeah. like a casting, buffing kind of a character with a pet. So, but um, a lot like a bard. <laughs> but yeah, but um, yeah. the I got totally lost. You guys have me totally picturing like the four of them going on an adventure now. Yeah, <laughs> totally. That's, that's what the Facebook you, post was. On rewatch, did you guys notice that there were all these sons of harpies? They were surrounded, and then she takes off, and then they show the four of them, and Tyrion's got the same look on his face. Like I pretty much did. Like I've waited my whole life. You know, I can die no. now. But there were hardly any sons of the harpies around them. They were they were winning. They were pushing them back. Somebody had come in other than Drogon. And his mighty breath of fire. But the last scene that I saw at the Coliseum was that there were still some Sons of the Harpies around, but that the four were kind of in the clear, it seemed, with Sol- with yeah. Unsullied well, around them. They were they were retreating also. Right. The Harpy. I mean, they were they were like, yeah, those guys are crazy. <laughs> it didn't seem like there were very many that were continuing with the the spear campaign. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I mean, that's I think that's why Daenerys flew Drogon out, though, is because mm-hmm. the spears like they were coming. I liked that the show made it clear that as awesome and badass as the dragon is and powerful, not is not uh, invincible. No. Like, you know what I mean? Like those spears, they, they could take him down eventually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If, if, and so getting him out of there, I think, you know, was, was the only choice, but at the same time, you know, uh, I got, here's my headcanon version of, of how this all went down afterwards. And we'll probably just in the next episode, they'll actually just address it is that remember that Daenerys has, you know, multiple thousands of unsullied still right and even as many as we've seen die she's still got a bunch and they're just not all in the stadium and so my guess is that when all this starts to go down it's going to take a little while for some of them to say oh we need to go and reinforce our buddies and so drogon killing enough of the harpies is going to allow our guys our heroes to hold out long enough for the rest of the unsullied to come in and Save them. That's my theory. Okay. <laughs> Makes sense. It, the only thing I want to put in is that in the books, she's wearing that uncomfortable outfit we talked about. And so she takes it off and she's naked when she rides off, which is kind of cool. Uh, Drogon is also still kind of uh, ornery and she subdues yes. him with a whip. Yes, she does. And she doesn't actually climb on with the intention of anything. She more like falls onto him. And he flies away without her telling him to. 
And she's like, oh, crap, I'm stuck here. But I like it much better. Like mm-hmm. the show, the show is the show, you know, it works. Yeah. But I, they I just wanted to mention this. This could have been a season end moment. I'm kind of surprised that it wasn't, honestly. I, That's I, why I'm so scared for next week. <laughs> I don't know what to guess now for the last scene because this was going to be my last scene. I know what my guess is, but I almost hope that's not it. I feel like the thing, the thing that I think it might be, I feel like might be too big an ask mm. for for a cliffhanger. Um, well, put it but in I, there anyways, because I, that's why I back. That's why I had like I had doubts about my big. Mm. I hope it's Arya steering off to Bravos, and I thought no, they'll never do that. And then they did it. So yeah. go with your instinct. Um, well, so at the same time, it, it also might be that uh, they're going to have something that has not happened in the books yet. Be the, yeah. yep. the big finish. Um, and I, I wonder about that last scene, though, like, because now that I'm thinking about it, I don't want to send my guesses to Chooch, because what if what I guess doesn't actually happen and it becomes a spoiler? You send it to BTW, and so one of us will get it. And if we don't want Chooch okay. to see it, then then I okay. I can copy and paste. Yeah, I can Chooch I can see the BTW subject now. subject line and avoid them. Okay, yeah. Chooch will he, he avoid won't. the spoilers. <laughs> he will. He doesn't want to be spoiled. <laughs> True. So uh, ratings. Ratings. As a rating, yeah. I'm going to give it nine out of ten. Extra crispy sons of the harpy. <laughs> nice. The nine is only taking off the point only just because I want something else to happen with Dorn. I feel like it's not it's bugging me. I had uh, given the series, I had given the episode a low rating. The dragon made me squeal, but then I just I still can't get that last scream of Shireen's out of my fucking head. Mm-hmm. So I can't, I can't give it 10 out of 10. I, even with dragons, I got to go with, with nine out of 10. I just, well, damn that. Hard, hard for me to argue since that was the same score I gave it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Just for different reasons. <laughs> um, I am going to also give it nine out of 10 flaming drogons. Uh, for the, the same reason, like, uh, if, if it was just the Marine stuff, it would be 10 out of 10. But there were so many things that were a bit uh, to me that I had to remove a point. And I probably, if it didn't have that last Marine scene, I probably would have judged it a lot more harshly. There would have been more points taken off. But because, like, the Dragons got a 15 and it just kind of evened out. Yeah. Uh, losing Faith and Stannis lost a point for me. Um, I understand... Mm. Like I said, why it happens and all that, but I still don't like it. So it loses a point. I give nine, uh, nine rounds of sand snake slappy cakes. <laughs> so does anyone want to guess what our average score is? I'm <laughs> going to say 700.3. I think that's the first time we've all given the same rating. Yeah. 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 We've got a rating from Sheriff Bullock. Uh, this ep had my fist pump moment from book five, which was Danny, the dragon mm-hmm. rider of Marine. Fantastic, <laughs> fantastic execution of that scene. The rest of the episode was solid to 10 out of 10. Oysters, clams, and cockles. Oysters, clams, and cockles. 
<laughs> See, I want some. I want to. I, want I know. You can I'm have talking mine. to you, girl. Yeah. Girl. Girl. It's funny that he calls her that when that's the same thing Jack and calls her. Right. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Better log off now. I'm about to start speculating. So <laughs> next week's episode What's it is called? winter. Winter. Ooh. Just winter? Ooh, just, just winter. Because winter's been coming for a long time. It's just winter now. <laughs> it's not winter's here. It's just winner we're saving our breath and our energy and the little uh the preview teaser for the next episode looked like they're pretty much going to touch base with everybody we've seen this season um yeah look like they're gonna let's wrap everything up or at least placate us for this when do we know when the next season starts 2016 i'm sure april-ish yeah i think it's the same yeah (sighs) But we're planning some um, off-season content already. There's a couple of conversations that we definitely want to have between seasons. I definitely want to have them. Hoping they'll join and come and talk to me. Otherwise, I'll just be. Talked about possibly Sunday night doing a reaction finale reaction recording. Thirty minute attempt. (laughs) Thirty minutes. (laughs) I'm down. What were we attempting tonight? (laughs) (laughs) Two hours. Um, oh, I think I'm on board with the starting starting an hour earlier works a yes. lot better for yeah. me, even when we run a little long. Because it means we can run a little long. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So next week we'll be here at this time or not this time, but same start time, 8, 8 p.m. Eastern. 8 p.m. Eastern. Not seven like I incorrectly, incorrectly created the event initially, but fixed it. <laughs> so are <laughs> we going to do an, an ep- a gift episode, one of the gift episodes where we do the reaction show? Is that a yes? Yes. Um, yeah. Nettie, yeah. will you be able to watch? I should be able to. I just looked up. Uh, it, it does not look like I have anything scheduled. So, Okay. That sounds cool. All right. Cool. And uh, I looked it up. Episode one of season six is April 2016. No specific date. So they haven't given a date, but it will be in April as it has in years past. All right. Okay. Great. Great discussion tonight. Thanks, everybody. Thank everybody for the comments and the Q&A. It always adds a lot to the discussion. We'll uh, catch you next week at 8 p.m. Well, no, we'll catch you Sunday probably 15 to 30 minutes after it airs on uh, East Coast. So do we want to say 10, 15, 10, 30 on the East Coast? Just because yeah, I need to have a time. 10, 30 to be safe. Yeah. 10, 30 so that we won't be is late. the time. <laughs> All right. Christiana? <laughs> yep, we're good. 10, 30? Cool. Yeah. All right. Cool. For a short episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yay, bonus episode. <laughs> Very short. All right, so we'll see you on Sunday. Thanks for tuning in. Talk to you then. If you have feedback for the Beyond the Wall podcast, you can email us at btw at specficmedia.com. You can also leave us a comment on the website. Go to specficmedia.com where you'll find a shiny BTW button that'll take you right to our page. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, Sharealike, 3.0, Unported License. Feel free to share and remix. Just give us credit and don't charge money for it.